What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Channel B1. Today, you're joining the 30th episode of the Biker Bar. If you're not familiar with what the Biker Bar is, it's a weekly podcast, live stream podcast, podcast live stream. You can say it either way, actually. It doesn't matter. And uh, it goes for about one to two hours, just a long format discussion between a couple of people like, like bikes. Usually, I'm drinking beer. Today, I'm pretty sure my host is as well. And uh, But before we get started, I wanted to just reach a few or say a few things to you guys. First of all, thanks a lot for the super chats. Like Brian T just starts right out with a $5 super chat. Thanks a lot, buddy. And anybody else that just so happens to throw one up in the middle of the stream, please know that I, I completely appreciate it. It keeps the channel going, just like if uh, you were able to support me in some other way. But I want to make sure that you guys realize that I don't always have the opportunity to call people out like I just did with Brian. And uh, please, please um, don't hesitate to stop or to not stop. Man, I just fucked that all up. So anyways, don't stop the super chats. I like the super chats. That makes me happy. So um, with that being said, let's move on. There is a Facebook channel and a Instagram channel that go along with the biker channel, the biker YouTube channel. So if you go to Instagram and go to at biker B1, so B1, K-E-R-B1 or Facebook, if you're um, over 30, I guess, because that's where only old people go and <laughs> stop by and follow the the, the biker channel there. It, it, it's good for me. It's good for uh, whenever I'm talking to different companies about hooking you guys up with some some coupons. If you don't know what coupons I'm talking about, if you stop by patreon.biker.com, I have a Patreon channel there where you can support me with a, a month a monthly amount of change. So you could either give a buck a month and get access to the coupons, or you could do five bucks a month, get some biker stickers that you can throw up all over the place and hopefully legally um, put them where I can see them on the trail because uh, obviously there's lots of legal places to stick stickers and <laughs> otherwise you can put them back in your car. I've yet to see one like driving down the freeway on somebody's car. That would really make that. That would, I'd get pretty stoked if I saw that. Also, if you want to get like a biker hat or a biker shirt, like this, no fucks given shirt that I'm wearing right now, um, that, that you can pick up at shop.biker.com. So shop.b1ker.com and, um, get, get you some biker swag, swag, go out there and represent. So today's guest is um, somebody I haven't had on before, and I also haven't had somebody with it that does this kind of content before. This guy's name is Aaron, and he runs a company called Bixel Media. Aaron, I'll let you explain what Bixel Media does, and we'll go from there. All right, cool. Hey, Robert, thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely, dude. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> basically, I'm a professional photographer, and I focus on mountain biking, and I do some road cycling, and I do some CX as well, but we just, we cover bike races pretty much well last year i didn't travel to the southern california but it's mainly northern california covered like the california enduro series the north the north star downhill series uh prairie city cx races i'm right in the middle of the tbf total body fitness mountain bike racing season so a lot of people will you'll see me out there cruising around with my big 70 to 200 uh sony camera or lens and camera on my uh my backpack and uh that's basically what i've been doing right now what we got going on so how how long have you been a photographer? Uh, well, professionally over the last year, but I've dabbled in a lot of uh, photo and video work over the last, uh, gosh, probably 10 years, but seriously over the last year, I got, uh -huh. I got serious in the mountain biking gig, uh, probably actually when the Prairie City races start, started last year in April. Uh-huh. 
So those of you guys that aren't from from the area that we, that we are, he's he's local to me as well here in Northern California, and Prairie City is a, a, a weekly race series that they have out at this area called Prairie City. Which some of you guys that may be familiar with with Moto, they have a big Moto race out there, and otherwise you can go out there with your truck and get it stuck when it's muddy or whatever you want to do. So it's like a it's like a, a a fun place to do a bunch of stuff. So don't they do? That series, if I remember, they used to always like have like a bike that you won. If you won the whole series, you got like a bike or something like that. Uh, I don't know because last year was the first year I was out there, and actually they have new uh, owners, uh, mm -hmm. Jen and uh, Clint Clausen run that series now. They also run, they run clipped in races, mm -hmm. um, and so I, I don't think they were offering up a bike, but somebody won a bike. They do another race called the Motherload Epic, mm -hmm. which is a cool race. It starts way up. Uh, Gosh, I don't even know. It's up by Salmon Falls. They start fur further up, other, up, up above Salmon Falls, and then they have boats that take you across Folsom Lake. But I know somebody won a bike in that, but I think that was via a raffle. Yeah, yeah. That, yes. sounds, that sounds really good. I could be completely mistaken. Or it could have been something that they just did one year, like five years ago, and in my memory, that was like six months. So <laughs> you're like, cool, they got, like, somebody got a free bike. That's awesome. Right? They just do that all the time. So um, so what what is it that, that you... Um, that how is it that you're getting the jobs that you're getting? Are you just like, are you getting to print magazines or are you selling to like stock photos or like, cause there's a bunch of different ways you can make a, make money as a photographer. Yeah. You know, and I've just kind of really scratched the surface of that. Uh, basically I just kind of what I, I was doing it for fun uh, at Paris Cedar races. Cause I wanted to kind of do some photo work for our uh, little bike camps that we run from through a company called freedom riders mountain bike. Mm -hmm. uh, my gal, Trisha, the Jersey came up with the idea and I just thought, you know what, I'm going to be the social media guy. I had a bunch of equipment. And I said, well, I'm going to go practice. Mm -hmm. And I went out to Prairie City and started shooting the races out there and learned about some online. There's some, there's like online photo housing companies like there's Pixie Set, there's Smug Mug, and I think there's a couple other ones. And you can host all your pictures on these things and people can go on there and you set a price and they can buy digital files or prints or however you want to set it up. Mm -hmm. So I went out there and put some of the photos up and sure as shit, people started buying them. And I go, whoa, that's cool. Yeah, right. You know, it's like kind of getting a new subscriber on YouTube. And then yeah, you go, totally. oh, I have a subscriber, that's awesome. And so I'm like, well, maybe there's something to this. And so then I was like, a, I was like on crack. Right. I started watching every YouTube video on photography, on Lightroom, how to process your photos, camera gear. I'm a podcast junkie for all these creative photography and artsy podcasts. So. And then, so, so right now, the way that I'm doing it is I'm basically just a freelancer and I go to the races and I sell the photos to the participants. Oh, okay. And they're, but I, I do have some photos up at stock photography. The problem, the thing with stock photography, and I don't know if you know anything about stock photography is you can't have company logos in your photos. And, oh. uh, and if you're on, if you're, pretty much everybody's wearing somebody's <laughs> logo. <laughs> you can't, you can't walk to a bike race and not see bell or SRAM or Shimano plastered over everything. Right. So it's a pain in the ass to try to go into Photoshop and remove every logo off a person or the bike or off their socks or their shoes. So, so basically you have to go in and then like what you just said, just Photoshop all that out. And then obviously Photoshop it well, not like, you know, <laughs> the old iPhone app and a little squiggly red line. Yeah. <laughs> stock photography companies will see that right away and reject it. So right. They're pretty strict on the quality and the photo content. 
So it's that I kind of dabbled that in a little bit. I probably have about 10 photos out there. I haven't made a sale on them yet. I think I posted them about three months ago. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's commercial photography where like you can do print magazines, uh, website stuff. Um, and I'm just starting to get into that as well. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty, pretty early on in my career right now. I mean, I've just started over the last year. I'm going to be going full time here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. um, doing it, traveling a lot more from because I'm going to cover races all over California. Right on. So when you got into photography, I mean, a lot of people that are watching YouTube or follow the channel, like they're interested in maybe doing their own channel or doing their own kind of stuff. Maybe it's just for fun or whatever. And to me, like one of the things that was really hard was just learning about cameras in general. Like what, what, how, what did you do to like, kind of be like, what is white balance? What is all this? <laughs> you know, I consumed everything I could on YouTube. Uh, Cause I, I kind of had a little bit of understanding. Cause so I did some, I used to, I still have a YouTube channel, but it's under a different name. It's called Aaron Lassure Outdoors. And I did a show, it was a fishing show. Cause I used to be a professional bass fisherman for about 10 years. And so I kind of had an idea of some of the, the ins and outs, but it was mainly video, the video side and not so much the photography side. So I had to consume everything I could about white balance and your ISO and shutter speeds and the, the appropriate shutter speed for motion and those kind of things. And the, the, the learning curve is pretty steep, but there's a ton of info out there. And so I basically got rid of direct TV and I watched nothing but YouTube uh, <laughs> for like, I don't know. I still don't have direct TV. Uh, it's probably been eight months or so where I just, it's, it's I'm constantly on YouTube because you can never stop learning. There's always something new coming out or a technique that I knew nothing about or a cool angle I've never seen. So there's, there's an unbelievable amount of information on YouTube and cat videos. So, <laughs> so um, <laughs> you, you were mentioning a, a fishing show. That's actually pretty interesting. How, do you just, when you did that show, did you have like multiple cameras set up on the boat and you kind of hit from different angles or like yeah. vlog a little bit while you were doing it? How, how did that work? Uh, it was a little bit of everything. So what, what I did was uh, I love to do research on things. And so there was, uh, there's so many other fishermen out there and there were so many other shows. And I said, what can I do that's different and better than these shows? And some, most of them were like, kind of static straight angles on and they didn't have a good mic they were they were, weren't wireless they had it on their they had their camera at the back of their boat so it was really far away their audio was terrible or their video production wasn't very good so i'm like i could probably do this a lot better so i used uh i would have a static camera at the back of the boat i'd have a gopro camera at the front of the boat and i even got uh, my one of my buddies who's really smart built an arm and so i had a about a 10 foot arm off the back of my boat and the seat that stuck way off the boat. So you got this weird, cool, like kind of side angle. So I had like a three angle basically shoot. The problem was, you know, but doing your bit, if you're doing any video work, then you got to import three different cameras, the footage from three cameras and cut and splice and I do all this cool stuff. So the camera angles are always changing. Right. So that's kind of how I cut my teeth in the video and, and that sort of world was kind of learning on the fly and putting that show together. It was called The Truth. The other thing I did was it was a show, because um, I don't know if any of the mountain bikers that listen to the podcast ever fish, but fishermen are super secretive about where they fish and they don't want to give up their spots. All right. And the premise of my show was I showed you everything. I showed you on Google Earth and 
uh, way, I gave waypoints on exactly where I was fishing, how I was fishing. And for a while there, I had a bunch of guys all mad at me because they were like, <laughs> sounds like the mountain biking industry where they're like, don't tell our secret trails and you see Santa Cruz <laughs> right. that everybody in the fucking world knows. <laughs> right. Right. That's exactly the way it was. And so guys were all pissed off at me and sending me messages on, on Facebook, like you're an a-hole or you're giving right. up all our secrets. And I was like, it's working. This is cool. <laughs> I'm pissing them off. I go, I've got a good show. <laughs> right if you're pissing people off you're doing it right <laughs> yeah so how how did you go from from doing that because it it sounded like you're you're doing a pretty good job with that right what made you decide that you, you that was like yeah i don't i, I don't want to do this anymore well uh i had a couple of different hobbies so not only did i have a passion for fishing but i also loved mountain biking i've been mountain biking for a lot of like 15 plus years and I was kind of going back and forth between the two. And then uh -huh. um, my gal, Trisha DeJersey, my partner in crime and the love of my life, by the way, who is a mountain biker, uh, started a, a kid's mountain biking camp. She's a teacher, loves mountain biking and decided let's do something to help keep teach kids get into the sport. So we started Freedom Riders MTB. And it's a basically spring and summer camps for kids when they are not in school who want to come learn the basics of mountain bike. We teach anywhere. From, we've had kids that are six years old all the way up to 14 year olds. So, so those of you guys that watch um, my POV videos, I did a video a while ago. I think it was actually about my like new bike day for the chameleon, but I was out at a fundraiser for the paradise fire and um, they were out there as well. And that's, that's right. actually how I, how I came to know who Aaron was. <clears throat> Yeah, so basically what happened was I, ha I came to a tipping point where it was either spend all my time on the road and do that fishing show and not be with my family, or mm -hmm. I do a bit, I, I jump on board with Trisha and her business and be kind of like the social media kind of person, take the photos of the camp and help promote and mm -hmm. run with the mountain biking biz. And that's the one I chose. And so I basically sold my boat and scrapped the show. Um, was it, it was uh, two January of last year. Wow. So, um, did you already have like a bunch of camera gear at that point? Like you've uh, kind of accumulated along the way. Yeah. And it was mainly centered around video. I had, uh, like I, my main camera was a Sony a 6,500 and I had, uh, a Zeiss 16 to 70, uh, lens that I used on that was my main camera on the boat. And everything I had was revolved around video. Right. I, I didn't do so that camera thing. that you had shot like 4K or something like that or. Yeah. So, and I didn't really shoot in 4K uh, because it ate up a lot of your memory card. Yeah. And I didn't have to punch in quite a bit since I had that zoom lens and it was static anyway on the boat. So I shot in just ba basically HD, mm -hmm. but it had that capability for sure. Yeah. And my understanding is you can just upscale from 1080 to 4K and still look good on YouTube. Right. Because the compression on YouTube is so yeah, you can definitely do that. Right on. So what was the first camera that took you from like the guy that doesn't know how to do photography <laughs> to photography? Well, it was that a 6,500? Cause that thing's actually a really great camera. The, the so Sony, before that you were like a point and shoot kind of camera guy. Uh, I didn't even have a camera before then. Right. I just had my, I, that, uh, I had a GoPro, but that was when I first started doing the, the, the videos. Oh, I take that back, Robert. I had a, a Sony, like the high, the highest end video camera you could buy, it was to, before you got into the prosumer side. It was a consumer model Sony video camera, so it didn't really take it didn't take stills. It was just mainly video. Oh, okay. 
I started with that on the boat and then I, I had a buddy who was kind of doing the same thing. And I saw he had a Sony a 6,500 and he's like, Hey, you can not only can you shoot stills with this thing, but it has just as good, if not better video quality than your camera. And it was like, it came in a little smaller package and you could use all the interchangeable lenses. And I was like, Oh, cool. You could throw it on a hand. You know, I, I've got a Zion crane hand gimbal that I would use. So I basically sold that video camera for the a 6,500. And that kind of is where I kind of branched out from that one. So once you started with the A6500, then what, how did you learn about like white balance and all, all this and that? That was a good, so not, so that's when I started going on YouTube and different channels and, and watching tutorials. And there's another, um, app. It's a company. I don't know if you, you may not may or may or may not have heard of this person, Chase Jarvis. He has mm -hmm. a, a company called creative live. Mm -hmm. And they do online classes or tutorials that that's an app, and you can. They have all they have all these cool people come in from the industry, whether it's artists, uh, people that do uh, hand drawings, video photography, and they do all these classes. And you can get because because I'm kind of cheap, so I spend all my money on my my camera gear. Right. You, get, you get one free module of that class every day, so oh, you can get cool. go get it, watch a photography class on the basics 101 photography in the first and you can watch one of those classes there might be 20 modules and you can watch one class every day for 20 days and that's pretty much what i would do what was I, the name I, of the website again uh it's called creative live creativelive.com creativelive.com i have to throw that in the show more see i'm gonna write this down so i actually remember it for a change i always tell people i'm gonna put stuff in the show more and then i forget about it <laughs> i actually have I have my boy watching. Uh, he wants to become a graphic designer. And so I've got him watching one show a day or a class a day as well right now. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. So I pulled up the, the Sony a6500 and right. it says that it's a mirrorless camera. What, mm -hmm. it, what does that mean? Yeah, it's really cool because uh, before before we had, uh, you know, just had regular film strip camera and then they came out with digital format, which was called a DSLR. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the acronym stands for, but what a DSLR has, it's got a mirror in the camera body. And what happens is the image comes through the front of the camera, bounces off the mirror, and it shoots it up into a sensor. And the sensor is what like is capturing the picture. That's correct. Yeah. So okay. and so on. But now with these mirrorless technology, is there's no mirror, and it's the the image comes directly through the lens and hits on the sensor that's flat, basically straight in front of the lens. Uh -huh. So you don't have that extra step. And the cool thing about a mirrorless camera is that it's got an EV, which is good, an electric viewfinder. Mm -hmm. So that means it's when you're looking through the, or on the back of your camera or through the, the little, the viewfinder itself, you're actually seeing the image that you're taking real time. Mm -hmm. So then you can you adjust your exposure or frame your frame it properly and all this other cool stuff. And, and on the new camera that I have, which is the Sony a nine, it's got it shoots like a crazy amount of 20 frames per second it almost looks like a video when you hold the shutter down and that you're following someone like a mountain biker it almost looks like you're watching a video in your camera and it shoots so fast somebody says digital single lens reflex is what it yeah. stands for see this is awesome. what we got all these guys in the chat <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's one of those things that you know for about 10 seconds and then you forget it again <laughs> unless you're daniel daniel has it down so so um so that being re that that real time with the the viewfinder is just it, 
it makes that much of a difference because you're actually capturing like what's happening at that very instant. That's what you're kind of going for. Yeah, because the other problem that you would have with the DSLRs is that you would get what's called blackout. So when you take a picture, your screen goes black. For a so second. you can't for a second. So with electric viewfinder, your screen never has that blackout. So you're always seeing your subject as they're moving. So if you have a DSLR that shoots 12 frames a second, it would have a blackout in between each frame. And so right. you put, and so on the the EV, the electric viewfinder, it's real time. You never have that blackout as well. So so is a DSLR like better for taking like studio photos then? Uh, you know, or is it just a preference I, thing? I, I think it's just an older technology because a lot of the companies now are moving towards mirrorless. Mm -hmm. So I Canon just came out with a mirrorless camera. And I think I just saw on Facebook, like Olympus just came out with a mirrorless camera. Um, so I think it's kind of where they're moving, the, the, where they're moving towards. Uh -huh. And the mirrorless cameras are a lot smaller as well. They don't have to have the, the camera body and housing itself doesn't have to be as large because it's not housing as much of the mechanical moving parts. Mm -hmm. So a little bit smaller, less heavy, easier to kind of put in a backpack and that, and just more mobile. Mm -hmm. So if you were recommending somebody to get a camera to like do some like nice still shots, maybe a little vlogging with or something like that, um, you, you would recommend to at least start out with something that you can switch the, the, the lenses with, or, or just start with something that's kind of like all in one package that then down, like you can learn on a little bit first. Yeah, you know, that's a hard question because there's so many different cameras out there that you can't, it depends on what you're doing. Like uh, for me, for example, I upgraded about three months ago from the Sony a6500 to the Sony a9, which is like their flagship beast of a camera. It shoots 20 frames a second, the electronic, the, the autofocus on it is super fast. And I, I got it specifically for shooting bike racing. Mm -hmm. I needed something that was fast fast frame rate and the autofocus on it. I was missing some shots on the Sony a6500 because it was just a hair slower and I was missing. So like some, some guys like coming off a jump and you're trying to like get the, the mud puddle that he just went through splashing right. at the same time. And because the camera just wasn't as fast when you were like pulling the trigger, then you're missing things. Like you'd have the, the guy entering it, the shot and then leaving the shot, but not in the middle of the shot where you wanted him. Well, no, that, that'd be your shutters. That's frames. That's frames capture per second. So, uh -huh. so I'm talking about when that guy comes over the jump and the camera locks onto him and and nails the focus. It's your auto oh, focus okay, system. Yeah. So sometimes it would the delay on it, like it would miss that before when I pressed the button and it wasn't done focusing yet. So that person would be out of focus. Oh, so that the, would suck. So you have a, like the perfect frame shot, but it looks like you're drunk. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so to go back to your question, is it depends on if somebody wants a vlogging camera, there's like specific cameras for vlogging. If you want a sports camera, there's a specific one for that. There's one for landscape or for portraits. So there's that, that's why there's a big line from top to bottom, whether it's Sony or Nikon or Olympus. So you just kind of have to figure out which one is going to work for your niche. And that goes for the lenses that you want to choose as well depends on what you're doing so it's really hard to say which camera is going to be the best mm -hmm. or what's going to work for someone but i just say just go with what you can afford in the beginning that's going to mm -hmm. have some versatility with what you want to do it's just uh, you don't you don't need to start at the top but if you can come in like say like sony makes three really good mirrorless they make a six thousand uh i think they just came out with a 6400 because it used to it's replacing the 6300 and they have a 6500 that's kind of like their mid-range uh, cameras, and those are all awesome. 
They all have mm -hmm. different features. It just depends on what you want to do. So let's let's just go ahead and we'll talk through it being me because I've I've been contemplating getting a camera for quite some time and it's like I just keep going back and forth because I have that that like I'll start out with I don't know it's probably something like the sixty five hundred where it's like a decent camera about a grand about a grand right. and next thing you know I'm looking at like five thousand dollar cameras <laughs> and then after about two hours of that I'm punch myself in the face and then I'm back to like well, I can shoot 4K with my iPhone. Fuck it. Right. So, like, <laughs> like, like I don't know. Like, and I think it's just because it, it there's so there are so many options. So yeah. I don't really know where to start. But I would want something that I think I could set up on a tripod or something like that and ride by. It's gonna gonna autofocus well for that. Right. And then as well as like I think vlogging. I mean, for the most part, I would assume that most cameras autofocus is good. But yeah. I have heard some of my other YouTubers say that, you know, don't buy this camera. The autofocus is horrible. It's like, right. I don't know. I, you, you know, I mean, I don't know, like what else should I be looking at in a camera? Well, you're, you're on the right track. Um, and, and what, using your iPhone for vlogging versus say like the a 6,500, the a 6,500 has in body stabilization. Mm -hmm. So that in body stabilization, when you're walking, you're walking around at an event or something like that and holding the camera, you're going to have, shaky footage on your iphone versus the 6500 that has in-body stabilization mm -hmm. it's like it's like ibis i think is what yeah, it's called. yeah okay the yeah. same thing or oss which is optical stabilization because a lot of their lenses that you can buy will have the stabilization in the lenses so you're getting double stabilization so your footage is going to look so good mm -hmm. versus somebody who doesn't are walking around with their gorilla pod and their camera going and it's just it's just it's it's unwatchable I, mean, I don't know if you've watched some of these YouTube channels where somebody's doing that and that their camera's shaking all over or their audio's crap. Yeah, just, yeah, no, yeah. It's I just like, what you're it's saying. unwatchable stuff. So, I would you if you're going to be you got to look to see what if your camera's got in body stabilization first of all if you're going to do any sort of vlogging and then you got to decide do you want like a Sony A6500 doesn't have a flip out screen. Yeah, I think there's another Sony model I, I'm thinking of. I can't think of. I thought it was a. I don't remember what it is, but it does have a screen that flips up or something like that. They just came out with it. it's a sixty four hundred, and it is flips, that what that is? Yeah, it flips up behind the camera. Um, some of the other cameras because there was another Sony that had something like that, but it, it always overheated at four K, so that's why everybody steered away from it. That was the sixty three hundred that would have the actually that was it the newer the older sixty five hundred for. When they're Sony's had an overheating problem for a while with that with 4K because it just heats up their processor and they're so fast. Mm -hmm. I that, that's one of the other reasons I didn't shoot 4K when I was out on boat because I was shooting in the sun and the camera was black, so I never wanted to run into that overheating issue when I was out there. But the uh, Sony's never made a flip out screen. They their screens come out but no tilt. They've never flipped completely to either to the side or up. Uh, maybe I was thinking about something else. Then. There's other cameras that for like bloggers like better because the screen flips to the side and then you can see your frame and make sure you're not cutting half your face off and that kind of stuff. So right. Don't want to cut your face. <laughs> no, it makes for bad video. <laughs> <laughs> so um, <clears throat> let's see here. So whenever you first started, uh, for me, whenever I pick up one of these cameras that looks like this got a little knob on the top, bunch of pictures and a bunch of freaking like hieroglyphs, I have no yeah, clue what they mean. Yeah. So <laughs> what were what were the things that really perplexed you the most? And then like, what's your easy way of explaining those? Ooh, what perple um, perplexed me the most? I, you know, 
I think the hardest kind of thing in the beginning is to learn what's called the exposure triangle. Mm -hmm. So you've got three main things on your camera that control exposure and what you're trying to shoot. You have your ISO, which is kind of like fake light almost. It's what controls the sensitivity of your sensor. And then, and then you have shutter speed, which controls how long the shutter's open and how much light it lets in. And then you have your aperture, and that's the actual opening on your lens. And that controls how much light either comes in, whether it's a small aperture opening or a large. So when you move one, it affects all the other ones. So I'll give you an example. When I'm shooting mountain bike racing, I always have to shoot at a high shutter speed because I have to stop motion. And some of these guys on the downhill circuit are going 50 miles an hour. Okay. So I got to have a shutter speed that's going to be able to stop motion so there's not going to be any blurriness to that camp, to that shot. So if the, if it's a cloudy day and I'm at 1,000th of a second, a lot less light's going to come in. So something else has to move up, whether it's my ISO which is the sensitivity of the sensor, or it's going to have to be my aperture. I'm going to have to open up the lens to allow more light in. So trying to figure out and on be, to know on the fly which how each one affects each other is, is a little bit of a learning curve, and it depends on what you're shooting. So that's shooting. just taking pictures and screwing it up for a while until you actually get yeah. it. Yeah, so that's what I did. I was just It's a lot of testing, like, okay, I'm going to shoot this and see what this happens. And then, so, so essentially on like a point and shoot, it's doing all that. It's just like kind of got some kind of algorithm that figures that out for you. So that's the other thing I was going to mention. And when you're first starting, you can, a camera has a setting on there where you, you do, you, all you have to do is press a button. It's, it's basically auto, auto mode. It's got a big A on it. <laughs> and that's for auto. So you do nothing, but you can't, once you start learning some other things and wanting to shoot maybe sports or uh, a long exposure, you know, see those cool star streaks or whatever. You got to learn, you have to set your camera in manual and you've got to be able to learn to know what, what affects what and the shot you want to get. But that, it, it all takes time. And then just watching as much as you can on YouTube and tutorials, there's some really good ones out there and there's some really bad ones too. But, um, so do you ever, do you ever go out and film with a, a GoPro at all when you're, when oh, you're yeah. riding? I just bought the hero seven. What do you, what do you like about the seven? The stabilization on it is ridiculous now. Mm -hmm. um, the other the cool thing I like is now it's got that um, on the Hero 6. I had the 6 and the stabilization was pretty good. I've had, I've, I think I've had every GoPro model that they made so far from <laughs> 1 through 7. Yeah. I've upgraded every time. And so when you went from the 5 to the 6, the 6 had the in-body stabilization and it had voice, activ voice activation. And now the 7's stabilization is even way as crazy good. Because I bought, you remember when they, uh, I don't even know if they still make it, their little drone that they made. Oh, yeah, they had it. They, they crashed and burned on that drone. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't call it little because it was pretty big, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so. They basically made what DGI did like a couple months later. They, they just didn't finish it. <laughs> right. And well, it came with a Karma Grip, and the Karma yeah. Grip was that gimbal. Yeah. And so I was using that with a six, and that thing's pretty awesome. You don't even need to use that with a seven now. It's so crazy good. And then um, the other cool thing is, well, the 4K is better now because I think it shoots 60 frames a second versus the uh, previous model was 30 frames a second. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's the auto on feature. I don't know if you're, when you're riding, the coolest thing I thought was the voice activation mm -hmm. because trying to film like fool around and try to grab the GoPro on my head and is it on? Is it on? And like <laughs> what mode it was in, 
when they introduced like GoPro, you know, shoot video or GoPro shoot a burst, I thought that was the coolest thing, especially for us mountain bikers that are trying to do some cool stuff while it's mounted in a weird spot on us. Yeah, it's interesting to hear somebody's perspective that's not a YouTuber. So like we're like a mountain bike YouTuber because I mean, some of the things that you say, like I'm listening to and I could see as a person who's not shooting the way that we're doing POV videos, uh, like I'm like, oh, no, that totally makes sense. Yeah, that would be really handy for me. It's just annoying to like, ha like, I don't want that auto on or off because then I'm going to be questioning whether the damn thing's on or off. Like, <laughs> and then I have it like I, I have it on a gimbal on my chest. Like I, I use the four because the the audio is just really good. The yeah. seven, I've, I've honestly considered getting the seven. But what I was telling myself was I'm just going to wait for my gimbals to break first because right, right. as it is right now, I have super smooth footage. There's no sense in me going out and getting something that's more expensive for yeah. just like for shits and giggles. Right. 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 And the biggest thing that was always holding me back was just audio. So there was no, like the five and the six were like, they were a complete no go to me. Right. Just cause the audio. But, um, <clears throat> so the reason that I had asked that is cause like in, in the GoPros, like there's a few of those, like, like pro settings that you were just talking about. Oh, a right. Minute, right. Minute ago. Right. You know, and that, that to me is like, it's still just such a, like a, it's a pain point for me. You know, I, I'm not a super into like video kind of person to like, really like get into like the nuts and bolts of all of it, you know? Right. Right. And I kind of want it to be simple, but on the other hand, I do, do want it to look good. Right. 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 So, and like with the GoPro, it has some, some issues with like, how it's going in and out of light and stuff like that. It can't, it can't really react to that very well. You know, yeah. so I'm always kind of, I have this little cheat sheet that like I've put on my phone to say like, if it's cloudy, put the ISO to this, you know, right. or, or if it's sunny, put it to this. And, but I think I just, I think really all I do is screw it up every time. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what would be, do you have any of those like general rule of thumbs? Like if it's this weather or if it's like, yeah, the GoPro, weather. the GoPros, um, I usually try to, to put the GoPro in the in settings that don't allow the GoPro to do any color. Like, you, you, if you look on there, there's ProTune on the yeah. back. So you can put it in ProTune, and then there's, like, GoPro color. There's, like, Vivid or something else, and there's Neutral. I always put the GoPro <laughs> in something really neutral. Or And then I'll set – if it's ISO, sometimes I'll just set that to Auto. And, but I can put a limit on it. Because you notice, if you notice on the back, it'll say, what's your minimum and your maximum ISO? Because when the GoPro gets to a certain ISO, the footage is going to look like crap. It's going to be all grainy and bad. Because it's like putting, like you said earlier, like fake light into it. Yeah, or and so you introduce what's called, so for the listeners, you introduce what's called noise. So what happens is when you take an ISO really high on a, any camera, you're going to see this weird pixelation. It's going to be green, red, and a blue, I believe. And if you do it on any camera, you can do it. You'll see it in your in your iPhone photos. Go out and take a picture at night of your buddies or uh, at a bar or something. You're going to see like, all this weird, like almost like TV kind of fuzz in there. Yeah. And that's the noise because the sensor can't pick up all the light, and so it just automatically puts these weird these these green because your what's your your screen is made up of green, red, and blue. And right. So it's gonna put dots. those it's gonna put those dots in there. And so the thing when you gotta think of a GoPro, the sensor on a GoPro is super small. 
And so the smaller the sensor, the worse it's going to do in low light. So I always try to limit how high my GoPro is going to go on that ISO. So when you're talking about put your settings in there, it's it's okay to put it on auto if you're because you're going to be riding through the trees. It's going to be dark, and then you're going to go to light, dark, and light. And so that if you put it, give it a limit, you're less likely to kind of screw your footage up. But what I would do is just kind of play with the settings, like go through the check out your Pro Tune, figure and go, okay, what's there's ISO, there's shutter speed, and just kind of learn what the settings are and just test it on the bike and go out and see what's kind of working and what doesn't. So do you have like some kind of like similar perspective then when you're shooting with a camera as well? Or is it like, what are you doing with that? Yeah. I do the same thing because I've actually just took the camera out for the, low, the, the most, well, not this recent TBF race, but the one previous, I actually just set the camera up and I set it up on a, um, you can do, um, oh shoot, what do they call it? Time lapses on it. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be cool just to set it up and see if I can get some cool time lapses in an area where the, the bikers were coming down this cool rocky uh, section. So I basically just, I, I checked the light. I knew how fast the shutter speed needed to be, which I think I set it at a thousand. And then I set the ISO at whatever I wanted it to. I just, I, I'd set it. I didn't put anything in auto because mm -hmm. I, I knew what settings I wanted. And actually when I got the footage back, it looked like crap <laughs> because I, I had them in a shadow and all that noise showed up on it. And it was a good learning experience. And that's what you kind of got to do with the GoPros is know they're with any camera. You got to know its limitations and what you can and what you can do, what works and what doesn't work. And that's really a lot of it's by trial and error. And, and you can kind of, you can still kind of learn that stuff on YouTube and that, but you won't really kind of know until you kind of go and try and see it for yourself. I mean, it will reduce your learning curve a little bit from like tutorials and things like that. I mean, so it just depends. So then I would assume that after you're taking the, your photos, even with your like race photos and stuff like that, are you then touching them up in Photoshop afterwards? Or is that like, just if you do the picture right, you don't have to do anything to it in Photoshop or? Well, that no, yes, no, I'm gonna say no. I'm always doing something. Um, so what So what happens is, man, we're going down the rabbit hole here. Yeah, dude, <laughs> so, that's, that's a good idea. <laughs> so when I'm out shooting a race, uh, your camera has a couple settings on it. You have, everyone's seen what JPG, JPEG file is. Well, you on your camera, you have a couple settings. You can shoot a JPEG, and then you have what's called RAW, which is RAW. So most professional photographers are going to shoot in RAW format because what happens when a JPEG is, a JPEG is a compressed file of whatever you just took. And what the compression does is that Sony or Nikon or whatever is they throw out information. So in order to get your file size to a certain size, it's got to throw out pieces of bits of your photograph away. But on a raw photo, it doesn't do that. So it comes out and every piece of information that you've got is on that file, but it's huge. Right. But it's ugly. So it's totally, it's flat. There's no contrast to it. But the, but the benefit is, is that if I go and I screw something up or I shoot, it's too, the light's too low or it's too high, I can bring a lot of that detail back because I shot it in that raw format, which you cannot do in a JPEG file. So every time I go out and do a shoot, I shoot all of my photos in RAW, and I don't use Photoshop. I use um, another Adobe product, which is called Lightroom. Okay, I know what that is. So I, I at least what the icon looks like. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> They've got so many products. I don't even know half the stuff that they have. I have my the Adobe Suite. And I'm all, what is that? I'm like, 
all this other cool stuff that they do that I have no clue what it is, but I am like the worst <laughs> spokesman for Adobe because like I, I started out as I told you earlier before we started the show that I do it and, and I've always done web along the way. And I was kind of a self-taught web person. Like you were saying that you, you learned a lot from uh, the internet on how, how to shoot photos. And that's basically how I learned web design. And when I started doing web design, the best photo or the best web design app, let's just say at the time was something by a company called Macromedia. And they had a, a product that later Adobe bought and they turned into Adobe Fireworks. And so I really, really badly need to learn how to use Photoshop, but I'm so freaking efficient at fireworks that it's, it's like, it's so terribly hard for me to learn Photoshop because I'm like, I just want this tool. Where the hell is it? And it takes me like 10 minutes to look it up on YouTube to find where that right. is. But, um, I'm, I'm trying to force myself into it. So nonetheless, that, that's, that's me in Adobe. It's like to find fireworks on the Adobe suite, you have to like enable like legacy programs and it's still in there <laughs> and they don't support it anymore. I'm like, just hoping that somebody like lights a volcano in their office or something like that. And somehow like the fireworks team comes back in with like machetes and, and takes control again. But I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> revive it, revive it. <laughs> well, that's the other huge learning curve is that learning your software. You got to, you not only get to learn your camera, there's lots of cool stuff you can do in the editing process. And that goes for video as well. Cause I also use final cut pro for all my video work. There's a huge learning curve for all that stuff. And it takes so much time. So, so what, what would be the difference then between why you use Lightroom and why you use Photoshop? Lightroom is more of a, uh, management system where you can basically you can pull all you have catalogs of all your of your photos and you can manage them and you can put them in different f file systems and you can easily find them and you can still do lots of manipulation to your photographs not to the extent that you can do in Photoshop Photoshop allows you to l overlay text and do all this crazy stuff you can uh, cut people out and it's it's a much more powerful tool, but I don't need to use that for what I do. I mean, I'm yeah. just I'm just trying to shoot a cool photo of someone going off a berm, you know, hitting a berm or going off a jump or throwing up some cool roost through some water. Mm -hmm. And I just manipulate the colors a little bit and then I just export it as a JPEG into whatever into my hard drive and then I upload it to my my it's Pixie set that I use for yeah, my yeah, gallery, yeah. my online okay. service. So, so it just kind of like dumbs down Photoshop a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. It makes it's it's pretty simple and it's still powerful at the same time. But I don't need to use all the other tools of Photoshop, and so I'm not right. like going and retouching somebody who's got you know they got. Every once in a while, I have to to remove like a person that got in my in my photograph of somebody, and I'm mm -hmm. like, oh man, that guy got in my in my shot, and I have to remove him, and so I'll move it into Photoshop and then pull it back into Lightroom. And so I do I do that every once in a while. But gotcha. Lightroom is my main editing software. And then so once I, once it goes into Lightroom and I tweak the colors and I think it looks cool, then I just export it and upload it to the gallery. Mm -hmm. So earlier when you were talking about the different cameras and you were kind of giving us some, some foresight on that, and we talked about like having a camera that you could switch lenses with. Mm -hmm. What would be a lens that like somebody, what would be the one lens that if you had to choose just one lens to have, what would like... Is that the size or the 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 stabilization type of lens right, or right. like shoot far away? I don't know. Like what 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 would be the one that like most people should start out with? Okay, so for the average the average person, um, 
Sorry, my I got my kid texting me right in the middle of the show. Oh, that's all right. Okay, so you're gonna want so I'll I'll talk about the average person. I'll talk about so, a sports shooter like myself. So the average person should get some sort of zoom lens. So mm -hmm. you're gonna want something that goes from like 16 to 70 ish because that's a good all around lens. So 16 when we're talking focal lengths, that's what, but that's the little numbers on there. 16 millimeters to 70 millimeters. That's the actual focal length of your lens. So 16 is as wide as it will go. So that gives you like a cool land landscape shot when you see these big, wide, cool landscapes of you know Yosemite or something like that. They're using a wide angle lens. So that's the, the small or the yeah the small number on the lens. Number it'd be 16. Mm -hmm. Then you want you want something that can go to 70 that gives you a little more close up, and you can use that for like portraits or uh if you want to cut if you're if you're far away from maybe your kids playing sports and you want to zoom in a little bit to get a closer fill up the frame a little bit that gives you uh some leeway and uh, and a little more uh le let's say leverage but that's not the right word but so like you could do like if you were doing some kind of like for me like if i was doing some kind of product shot that would work too because yeah i could like really zoom into this derailleur and like get nice real clean picture of it yeah absolutely because the way I do it now is like, you know, freaking step away, step closer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what happens when you have a, a fixed focal length. That, that lens is called a prime lens. Right. They're actually sharper and a lot nicer, like as far as like from edge to edge, they're because they don't have as many moving parts. They're going to be a little bit sharper than your zoom lens, but they, they limit you on what you can do. And you're right. You got like, if you're going to like, if you have that and you're going to like a family function, and, and you have like 10 people in there, you're like, okay, I got to either get closer, or I got to back way up because, you know, you got to fit people in. Right. With, a, with a zoom lens, you can move the lens in and out to help determine or fit your frame to whatever you want it. And it's much more versatile. That's the name. That's the word I was looking for is versatile. Right. So if you're, if you're a beginning photographer, like, and if you were, if I were you and I was going to, I'm starting to want to use an interchangeable lens system, I would go with something like a 16 to 70. And that's what I started with when I was doing my show. Because mm -hmm. I, it was a one. I only I had one lens. It was versatile. I could take a wide shot. I could take a close shot, and everything in between. But now for sports shooting, I kind of did the same thing when I first started going to the Prairie City races last year. I had the A sixty five hundred, and I had one lens. I had a seventy to two hundred. And what that lens allowed me to do was to to still be kind of wide at seventy, but get really close in and tight at two hundred. So that's why you when you see a lot of these sports photographers, they got that gray lens. It's probably about i don't know it's almost 12 inches long i want to say and yeah i got a buddy that, that shoots that shoots for freaking nfl and he's got some just insane lenses that he uses they have those are usually like 400 or 600 and those things are like look like cannons on the end of yeah <laughs> yeah i think he told me some of those are like twenty thousand dollars for just the oh, lens or man, something I, like that yeah I, i'm not surprised yeah it's just insane that that's the other thing about cameras in this like in this space that we're talking about too is like okay you could spend a thousand dollars on a camera and then like you can you could just do, go drop more and more and more on that than in lenses right yeah so that's not that's the other thing you can you can like totally geek out on that kind of stuff and then end up spending a ton of dough and and again that depends on well here's i'm gonna give you a caveat the the the, the equipment does not make the per like the person like what you, what you output you don't need all this awesome equipment to create something cool you can right. create something cool on your iPhone. It's just, yeah, it's there's freaking Instagram freaking yeah. channels like that, and you're like, holy shit, they took that with an iPhone. Right, right. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I go through that process I was talking about earlier. I'm like, well, I. <laughs> yeah. 
So you can totally, as long as if you are creative and you and you know how to work composition and you can get your lighting right or and that and know maybe some post processing and Photoshop, you can create some cool stuff. So don't get all cut up on the gear. Just get the gear you need to get the job done in the beginning and then work your way up from there. And that's kind of what I did last year. I started with one lens for shooting what I needed to shoot and my the 6500. And then when I kind of got further into the, my career and go, okay, I really want to do this. What, and then I started kind of looking into, okay, I need this lens because I need to, I do some really, some really cool shots is when a biker gets real close to you. And it's got like this weird fish eye look to it, but then the biker looks like they're right on top of you. And so you have to use a really wide angle lens, like a 16 millimeter to get that cool mm -hmm. shot. So then once you, as you, as you decide what you kind of want to do, then you can start filling in the gaps. And mm -hmm. then maybe if you start making some money, then you go, then you maybe start upgrading your gear a little bit and kind of, and then tweaking it that way. But I started out with kind of just a, the 6,500 is like kind of a middle of the road that 70 to 200 was, I it was a thousand dollars for that lens, but that's not even their high end lens. It's kind of like uh, the next step. I mean, that's their lowest. Well, they make another one that's a little bit lower than that, so it's got like their mid range lens. Mm -hmm. But but you can go crazy on gear. I mean, there's so much expensive stuff out there. I'll, I mean, that Ace. That I'll give you one example. That the new camera body I just bought, that Sony A9, I think it's like four grand. Uh huh. I mean, you can just it's just you're like buy a camera or buy a nice mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you when can, you go out to shoot your races, for example, you just show up with like you have just one camera or like one camera and like 10 lenses or you got like a couple of cameras. So that way you don't have to like switch between stuff quickly. How does that go? Well, I've done both uh, as far as camera bodies. Um, it just depends on where I'm going. So say that um, I shot the SAC um, CX, the, you know, the cycle cross cyclo cross races this last season in the winter mm -hmm. and they and they run all day and they run the kind of a uh they, a multiple lap race and if i don't have to travel very far i can bring two cameras camera bodies with multiple lenses and i'll have them kind of of one sitting on my i have a little harness on my backpack on the front where i can stick one camera and i'll have one in my backpack so i'll have my zoom lens on one i might have a wide angle lens on the other so i'm not having to change lenses during the action right so that saves me time yeah, yeah it yeah. saves me time so my A6500 is my secondary body now. And uh, you'll see a lot of pros do that. They'll actually have two cameras sitting on their on their chest harnesses. They'll run around with two or three, some of these guys. Mm -hmm. It's just because they don't want to miss a shot if the action is happening fast, but they need to change focal lengths, whether they want a wide shot or a tight shot. So, mm -hmm. but like when I go to North Star and I got to hike the course there. So I start at the bottom and I don't know, I know some of the, the listeners might've been to North Star before, you start so uh, for way, people that aren't familiar north star is a ski resort out here in in Ta lake tahoe so you're already up at elevation when you're at the bottom of the hill so yeah, just to give you guys some perspective <laughs> it's a, and it's a bike park it's got like cool jumps and wood features and it's like a mountain bikers paradise up there because it's cool because you get all the fun of going downhill and then you get on the lift and you get to ride the lift up and you're not going to climb all this stuff <laughs> right it's yeah, so it's, it's almost like start talking religion now, huh? It's cheating. It's totally <laughs> cheating. I didn't earn any of this, but I get all the the feel to go downhill. It's so cool. But when I'm there, I always it where where the runs end at the bottom of the lifts. I start there and I walk all the way up, and so I have to keep my pack pretty light. I can't mm -hmm. carry a ton of gear because it's like. I think you know, I'm packed probably weighs about 20 pounds with all my gear in it. And so going from there to the top to bottom, I think it's probably about a thousand feet, maybe a little bit more. Right. 
And that, that'll wear you out. At the end of the day, when I come home and I'm getting ready to download my footage, I'm, I'm pretty tired. So yeah, there's a guy on the channel right now that's in the comments and his, uh, he, he's, he's, uh, quite the, the camera guy as well. He does POV videos and stuff like that. And he was saying he had like a G five, I think. Uh-huh. And then between carrying that and a drone and maybe, I don't know what that thing's called, like a little wheelie system that's on a string and a oh, bunch yeah. of other crap, uh-huh. you know, it's like, he's like, man, this thing's like 25 to 30 pounds or whatever on yeah. top of, you know, your water right. or whatever. And you're riding them out mountain bike around so i'll actually train because i'll ride a mountain bike depending on the, the course i'll sometimes use my mountain bike to get from spot to spot so i'll train during the season and throw extra weight in my pack or i'll cruise around my camera gear we'll go i'll just bring it out just to shoot for fun mm-hmm. just to just to give myself that little bit extra weight so i'm not dying out there i know some guys are using e-bikes that are professional photographers because if you got to go fast from spot to spot and you got that e-bike gives you that little extra speed to get to the next spot because um like on i'll give you an example california enduro series will run a race with multiple courses like at a north star or at mammoth and they'll be running different um skill levels they'll have like a pro level they'll have like a class one a cat two a cat three they're called categories depending on your skill level and so you'll, you might have to go from one side of the mountain to the other side of the mountain to capture the next race and it's like three miles away and you got to get there in like 10 minutes. And right. so, I mean, and you're going through crazy terrain or something like that. So, but yeah, the gear and the gear can get heavy. So um, when I'm doing a, depending on the shoot, I have different backpacks. So I have like a low pro Whistler pack that I can carry everything in my drone, my gimbal, all my, like I carry three lenses, two camera bodies. That thing will weigh like, that's probably getting closer to 40 pounds. Yeah. Um, and then I can't, I have a couple smaller packs. I got a Camelback. Um, I also have a, I just picked up an Osprey. So I use different sizes depending on what I want to bring to the shoot. Yeah, I definitely need to get a different bag. Huh? Just the more that I'm carrying around now camera wise, especially once I bought my drone. So it's like between carrying my drone and I usually have an extra gimbal with me, an extra right. camera with me. Like, and I'm just on GoPros and those things are tiny. And then I got, you know, my batteries and, then you got all your crap that you need to fix your bike with in case something happens. <laughs> it's like, good God, dude. Like I see these guys that are wearing these little hip packs and I'm like, oh man, I'm way too paranoid for a hip pack. Yeah, and plus the and fact both. that I'm carrying like, <laughs> plus the fact that I'm carrying like all this camera gear. It's like, okay. What the- I not, you know, I yet to still have, can, I cannot find like the perfect pack. I've yeah. gone, I've gone through a bunch of different ones. I've kind of got it down to like uh, the three I kind of really like now that kind of work for me. But even then I've had to, um, a company called F stop F stoppers mm-hmm. or F I think it's F stoppers. Uh, or I think that's what it is. Um, they make what's called an ICU, which is an internal camera unit. I think mm-hmm. it's what ICU stands for. And it, they're a little modular unit. So I bought a couple of those to stick in because camelbacks just come to the empty shell, right? They're not really specific to what you and I are doing out on the trail. So you can buy these ICUs that are square and then you can slide them into your camelback or your Osprey or whatever you're carrying. And then you can put your, and it's got little compartments that you can put your lenses or your GoPros and batteries in. So it's not all sloshing around when you're cruising around. If you don't have some sort of little like organizational system that'll separate them out. Oh yeah, there you go, that makes sense. So I've got a bunch of those two depending on what I'm carrying. So the chat stand it's saying that it is F stoppers. Cool. <clears throat> Good. So um, 
what can you, you mentioned other guys are riding e-bikes around so what, what is it that you're pedaling around uh i've got the uh mojo hd3 the so ibis you're not mojo. ibis guy yeah is that a 29er or 27.5 27.5 five. yeah the 29er is the what is it the ripley oh uh, okay i'm not very familiar with their their line the only one i know is the new one the ripmo that's the one everybody's yeah, that, talking so about that's that's on my hit list that's basically the that's basically the Ripley at, at with a long travel. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, how long have you been riding? Yeah, I thought I'd say. Well, I I rode as a kid like BMX and around yeah, our neighborhood yeah. and that kind of thing. But mountain biking, I, my first bike was like a Marin hardtail, and that was probably I bought that in college. That was I think I had that twenty something years ago, and I kind of sat in the garage. And then I had a buddy. I used, I used to live in Rancho Marietta, and yeah, I walked into his garage. And I looked on the wall and he had this Mojo SL up there. And I go, and it was the one that was carbon that had the, the clear coat on it. It was the gray carbon. He had like these blue anodized rims on it. I think he had the uh, Crank Brothers rim set on there. And I was like, oh my gosh, that thing is like a rocket ship. It looks so cool. I've never seen anything like it before. <laughs> That's funny. And I used so, to live out in Myriad. Who was that guy? Uh, Travis Wathen. Uh, doesn't seem, doesn't ring a bell. I pro you probably know him. from Marietta. Yeah, yeah, I used to live out there. So I knew most of the mountain bikers out there. What year was that? Uh, let's see. Uh, that would have been 15 years ago. So 2003-ish. Yeah, yeah. I think I moved out there in 2005 or six. We were like out there that. at the yeah. same time because yeah. actually uh, before, this is another side story, I was actually uh trying to become a professional golfer. That's why I lived in Rancho Marietta. Oh, right on. I, the one thing I don't do is anything half-ass. <laughs> so if I'm playing golf, I'm gonna. I want to do it to the best of my ability. I was a professional bass fisherman. Now I'm, you know, trying to be a. I mean, I, well, I'm a professional photographer. I'm just like, if yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do this, this is. I'm gonna. I'm gonna put all my effort into this. And the only thing I probably haven't been like fully. I mean, I, I train and I ride. I'm not like a, the best mountain biker, but I'm a yeah. decent mountain biker. But I've had no, too that's many. Really cool. I'm sure we've probably <laughs> passed each other out there. I used to cut in new trails and stuff like that not that that somebody would do that without permission but uh. yeah but i heard the trails were awesome out there but those that was my that was my that's where i learned to mountain bike mainly was out yeah, there yeah. in marietta no, it's good stuff to have right outside of your door so if yeah, you can live in in an area where you can walk out your door and just ride ride mountain bike that's that's pretty cool i mean that's the that's the draw to road bikes right and you, yeah you just leave your house and do it so. so when i saw that ibis on the wall well then i then i tried to build up my my hardtail and i go oh well this thing still sucks because it was beating me up right and then i bought a um uh what was the uh, ventana so because sherwood yeah yeah they're a yeah, local company yeah they're right here at rancho cordova i bought a ventana i don't even remember the name of it so i built up that was my first full suspension bike that i had built from you know frame up and if i then, remember correctly and correct me if if you know they're local here and i'm pretty sure they custom build your size if you want it custom absolutely built. and custom like you can too. yeah you, yeah you can yeah. call them up they got like 20 different freaking like uh powder coatings that they uh -huh. use and even and and so they'll build it the way that you want and then also pro tip for you other guys out there that have aluminum bikes if you want to get your bike powder coated you can take your frame to them and as long as you choose one of their colors they'll do it yeah and it's cheaper than most of the other powder coaters that are in the area. And then also you have somebody that's familiar with bikes so they won't screw up 
some of the parts where you need it to be precise for it to fit back together. I I say this from experience because I've, I've powder coated a handful of bikes over the years <laughs> and uh, I was really happy with my process out there with them. Yeah, he was awesome. It's cool because you, if you're local, you can walk in there and see the facility and look at the frames right there and pick out your colors. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely cool to have something like that here local in Sacramento. So, um, so let's get back to cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is um, your favorite picture that you've taken? Oh, oh, I actually, we were just talking about it. It's actually one I've taken of Trisha. We She just posted it up on her Facebook. And it's my favorite picture uh, that I've taken because it's, we were up at the Truckee Bike Park. And uh -huh. we had her boys and my boy Aiden up there. And we were riding all the features. And I took this picture of her because she's got a Juliana. And her favorite color is yellow. So she's got this sweet Juliana um, furtado. And she's wearing that's, that's these, the Bronson, right? That's like the it's woman. The 50 Bronson. It's the 5010. 50 okay. Yeah. And so uh, I got this picture of her go going over this jump, and she's got these red, I think they're bole lenses in her in her. I'm looking at it on my phone right now, and her and her bell helmet, and her hair is kind of flapping the side. It's my favorite picture by far, even though I've taken like all these badass pictures of guys going off jumps and yeah, and but just the, the hair flapping in the wind and her just like down on the front of the of the bike it's pretty it's pretty awesome she just put it on her facebook page and she got so many comments on that thing about how awesome she looked <laughs> and i was like wait where's my photo cred right, Come on. right. She, <laughs> no. you're gonna have to start she, you're gonna have she, to start water watermarking this stuff you send to your lady dude. <laughs> <laughs> she gets all the credit because she looks awesome in that pic i just happened to snap it at the right time so isn't it funny how the person that's in the picture gets the credit instead of the guy that took it they're like you did such a great job they're like dude you just rode <laughs> <laughs> on that one i don't care because she she looks yeah, awesome yeah, with that thing it. but yeah it's, 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 that's that's by far my favorite one but i've taken a lot of other cool ones though and it's hard to pick up of, of, of all the other ones other than that one um some cool ones it's, it's pretty tough to figure out which are favorite how, how about what um what was the most fun like event that you've done um what's the most fun event you know, it's the most fun event, and it's not even mountain bike related. It's the Sacramento CX events. They are. Uh -huh. it's, so this last year was the first time we had some friends that um, I've been in the mountain biking community for a long time. And so I had some friends that always said, oh, you got to come out and check out the cyclocross. And like, I've said, no, I got too many hobbies. I can't buy another bike. It's not mountain bike related. I'm not going to ride a road. And we went out. And I started shooting the cyclocross races, and that race is so much fun. And the community is just like mountain biking community. The, the, the people are so fun, but it's rowdy. I don't know if, if any of your listeners have been to cyclocross or even know what. Like, I'm sure some of them know what it is. Where it's a, it's a, it's a set track where they go in a circle and it's timed, and they got little about I want to say the 12 to 16 inch barriers on the, uh, two sets of them or two of them. They got to go over and they go through mud, they go through sand, and they ride on these hot these road bikes that are a little bit slacker. I want to say. Mm -hmm. with knobby tires for right. the grass and for the sand and sometimes it'll be on a part of it will be on some cement and people are out there with uh it reminds me a little bit because we don't get this much much of this back home if you watch any of the uci downhill stuff where guys are out there with chainsaws and freaking yeah. bells and like getting all rowdy that's right. kind of what the, i mean people over there are bringing bells and yelling at you i had we had some one friend of ours smash a pie in her friend's face and <laughs> Got, and they have beer at the end. I mean, it's a blast. And so that was probably, I want to say, I don't, don't want to say one particular race, that whole event series where they ran 10 of them was so much fun. If people haven't done it or seen it, they should at least just go check it out. 
because it's it's a lot of fun. Right on. So that's here in Granite Bay, right? They uh they do them all in Sacramento. They go like they 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 run them out of parks. So they'll go to like the Lemby Park, which I think is up in Alberta or something. They'll do one in Roseville. They had um one here in Folsom. No, Folsom is Lemby Park. Gibson so Ranch. It's not a very big course then. It's like how big is this the circuit? They're usually about a uh, a mile, a little over a mile long, depending on how big the park is. And, and then these people do. do laps, or they just yeah. have to do like one mile as like balls out as they can. No, they do shoot. They do times. Um, so they'll go the it's the the your beginners or category one racers will do thirty minutes, and your pros will go an hour. So it's as many laps as you can bust out as fast as you can in that time period. Oh, okay. So you have to complete a lap. So if you're halfway through, it's like that didn't count. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right on. So how do they how do they decide then who is there always a, a like or is there like sometimes the two people are on the same amount of laps or something? Well, it's whoever does it in the uh, so when it's almost like super cross. You know, it's like thirty minutes plus a lap. Uh -huh. So they, they'll do the time and then they'll have that final lap, and so whoever's in the lead at that time. Oh, I see. Yeah. So if both people were at 30 laps, let's just say, and that last lap, then whenever they ran out of time, whoever finishes that one first, they get right. first place. They I got, got first it. place. That makes sense. Yeah. And there's another cool one. Have you heard of um, Folsom Rodeo Cross? No. What's that? It's basically the same thing, but they run it at the Folsom Zoo. Like this Folsom Zoo out here has a park where the, where the rodeo uh, arena is. Right. And the only reason I mention it because we're talking about rowdy races and which ones are fun to cover. Uh, they do one at Halloween where everybody dresses up and they have a place called Heckle Hollow where they have a DJ down there and they're pumping tunes. And, and the other cool thing about that is what's called a have you heard of a hand up? Uh, what's that? So a hand up is when the racers come by a certain section, people will hand them up things like water or beer. And some guy was giving out celery and some guy was giving out cookies. <laughs> so okay. the racers will grab it and eat it and keep going and it will ride through. And right. so there's actually a company that makes gloves. That's yeah, called yeah. Hand up gloves. That's where, that's where it comes from. I didn't realize that was yeah. their, their name came from. Actually, yeah, so I, mean, I know get, those guys. I, I they send me their stuff all the time. Oh, that's good. Awesome I just stuff, never yeah. really asked them where they came <laughs> up with the name. I just yes, yeah, so you get a hand up with it, and most of most of the time, other than Halloween, where it gets crazy when they're giving you like weird stuff, like somebody was giving out tater tots this last year. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> it's usually beer. Oh, so that's man. the other fun thing about the races. You know, they're handing it beer. So it's, it's, a, it's I'd have fun, fun with it at the moment. And then I'd get home and then I'd start thinking about like, well, where did that stuff come from? <laughs> and then I'd just get all inside of my head, man. <laughs> it was, a, I, I raced one on a mountain bike and you can't race it on a mountain bike. It's so slow. I was dying out there. Those people, they may, they all make it look so easy. I was just so, I was like, I wanted to puke after like two laps. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things with biking that like having the right tool makes a huge difference. Oh yeah. You know? Like, um, like I didn't want to buy a road bike either. Like you were talking about earlier. So I wanted to burn some more calories. I bought a single speed, um, bike and right, I right. started commuting cause I work, I live in SAC. I work in Davis. So I'll just start commuting and and that that was like a huge difference over trying to ride a mountain bike that far, right? And I remember like taking my lady when her and I first got together out and and she was trying to ride with us, you know, on some ride we were doing on a mountain bike and she's just dying. And I'm like, and she's like, you got one gear and I got, she's like, I got all these gears. I'm like, yeah, but your tires are just killing you and like where right. you're, how you're sitting. And, you know, she got on my single speed and it was like, holy shit, that's like night and day. 
Yeah. And then down the road, still didn't want to ride buy a road bike. I bought a CX bike because she got into road and I, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to buy a road bike, but I do need to be able to climb. So I'll buy this CX bike. And that once again was just like, it was just insane to me how much more efficient that was than even oh. my, my single speed was. Oh, just, right. Just little stuff. It was just like, I mean, they look the same. I mean, if I was a regular guy that didn't like, wasn't into biking, it's like two bikes next to each other with the, the drop bars on them. You know, they're both road right. bikes, right? Right, right. But it's just like insane how much of a difference it is. Well, so you, did, you, did you break down and buy a CX bike? Oh, I did. And I I, I only bought one because Trisha started, I, I've, I'm always taking the photos. So now I don't really get to race. So, but, but I like to see her race and involve her. So I, I, we bought her a CX bike and then I wanted to ride and train with her. So I ended up buying a CX bike for myself. Right on. So there's one thing that I want to do to my CX bike so bad. And I, I'm curious if you have this, do you have a dropper on your CX bike? No, I don't. Oh God. But I, I would love one, so one online. <laughs> Cause every sketch when you're going down some of these hills and stuff, I'm like, oh, I yeah. need my dropper. Well, because you have your seat set, you know, generally speaking, if you're riding it, you know, maybe on the road ish, most of you have your seat set pretty high, you yeah, know, real high. Yeah. So I've taken mine like on a, let's just say a road ride up to a place, which you would know Granite Bay from. So most of that is road to get there and then do some rock stuff up there. And it's right. like, Dude, that's uh, like my every my my knee jerk reaction is trying to push the dropper that's not <laughs> there, and I'm like, oh god, this is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, she's really good on hers, better than I am. We're and we ride like around Lake Natoma on them, mm -hmm. and we're going down some. And it's not even that. I mean, it's a little bit loose or whatever. But I'm always I'm hanging off the end of this thing, and my ass is like scraping yeah. the tires. <laughs> I'm trying to get. I'm like, I got to get down. Right. <laughs> And then you got the seat up in your chest and yeah, yeah. It's just no, no good. That's so if you're funny. talking about the right tools of mountain biking, that really applies because well, we're talking about photography here and photo gear. Same thing applies with photography. You got to have the right gear for what you're doing, de depending on if you're going to go and shoot some action sports with your GoPro or if we're shooting from the sidelines, you know, like when, the way I shoot. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you're going to shoot portraits or landscape, depending on what your what your your lane is on what you want to do, that's why there's a, that huge range of cameras and lenses because there's so many different things to shoot. You got to figure out well what what do I really like to do? What do I enjoy? And then kind of figure out what you want to get to fit in that lane. So what would if if you could go out and get another camera right now? What would you buy? Oh. Uh, like money's no I object, like whatever. If I was going to get another, you know, if I was going to get another one, I'd just get a backup A9 to have another awesome one so I wouldn't have to switch my lenses out. Mm -hmm. uh, Is there right one now, that's just not practical that you would think about? Uh, okay, well, if I wanted to get super crazy, I would, you know what, the, you know what a red camera is? Yeah, I've heard of it. Let's tell everybody. Yeah, it's like it a $50,000 video camera. <laughs> <laughs> it shoots like in 6K. Yeah. Or 8K, maybe. It might even be 8K. The, these things are they're the craziest video cameras and like the footage on them is insanely awesome but they they, they don't sell you just well they sell you like a camera body and then you got to buy all these periphery you got to buy lens you got to buy this handle and then you have to buy this try like all this stuff that goes on it and it ends up costing <laughs> like 50 grand but the the footage you shoot like an 8k and then when you have something that's that big you can like zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and never lose any image quality mm-hmm 
But that, I mean, I'm not shooting enough video, but that would be crazy. You could like to film have. a movie with that thing. Right? Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh, is there some event that you haven't been to that you would like that you think would be super fun to be part of? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would love to shoot some UCI downhill stuff. Uh huh. Go is to like some of these. Something around. Where, where would somewhere around here be that does that, or somewhere? Uh, well, North Star. You know what? North Star is pretty close to that because they run. Um, the, the the enduro world series the ews came through this last year at north star mm -hmm. so richie oh. rude was there oh cool um oh who's the guy from down south and i'm drawing a blank on him he writes for specialized uh shoot i'm not sure right now i yeah. can't remember his name uh so curtis, Keen. curtis Keen. Oh, okay cool he was up here and some of the other like there were some other big name gals that were racing up here as well and so that that almost is like a, a UCI event. So that was pretty cool. So when you said that though, you must have had a like a place in mind. What place were you thinking of? Oh, here. Well, you know where I'm, I'm going this year. We're, we're going to Sea Otter. Oh, okay. So but no, but when you said you wanted to to shoot like a UCI downhill, were you thinking like oh, Whistler it, or something like that? Yeah, or? that that's that's the place I would go. I mean, yeah. that, that's like, cause then I could go up there for two weeks and I could ride too. So right. <laughs> yeah. it's a business trip, babe. <laughs> oh, she could be going with me. Oh yeah. There you go. It's we're going on a business trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be like bucket list for sure. Yeah. So what makes it that way for you? Uh, you know, it's just the terrain up there. Cause that's like, it's just beautiful. The loamy ass, I mean, it's always loamy up there. It's beautiful. You're going to get some of that, some awesome courses up there where you can get some really cool shots. And then you can, you know, stay up there to ride. And it's just yeah, like, a, yeah. that's like a mountain biking mecca where the community is just awesome. Everyone up there. Have you been to um, Bend, Oregon before? I have been to Bend. I only got to do one ride while I was there, but it was super fun. It's, that almost seems like that would be kind of the same feel, but on a, like a bigger level. Because when, uh -huh. we, when we went to Bend, I loved it there. I mean, that community was so cool. And riding Phil's trail system was a blast. And Yeah, and there's just a shit ton of riders out there. So oh, it's not like everybody you talk to is like, yeah, mountain bike. Of course I do. I got a lawnmower <laughs> too. Like yeah. everybody has a mountain bike and a lawnmower. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> right on. So what um what would you like to see you know happen with with Pixel Media over time? Uh, you know, it'd be fun to get into some some more commercial stuff. So what does that mean? It means like shooting for maybe like shooting for Red Bull or mm -hmm. or, 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 or getting some stuff in you know MTBR and on Pink Bike and kind of the bigger kind of on the bigger stage. Mm -hmm. You know, because right now what I'm shooting is. I'm shooting uh, race participants. So I'm not, it's not like shooting cool landscapes with cool sun flares and I'm shooting for a cover of a magazine. It's a totally different mindset. Mm -hmm. Like those shots, those, those cool shots that you'll see uh, on, like I say, in Red Bull or whatever. The, these guys, the, the setup on those shots takes days. Like they'll, they have to like hire a crew and they got to set up, okay, we're going to go to this location. We're going to do this and that. So what I, when I go out to a race, I'll scout. But I'll scout like the day before or an right, hour. Right. I'll, I'll ride the course an hour before the race starts. And I'm just trying to get something to look, make somebody look cool. So I can't like set up a bunch of cool flashes everywhere. I don't have that time. I have a time constraint. Right. So, right. Um, and a budget once, constraint as well. Yeah, sure, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, but once I'm doing that, like I said, I'm going to be, I have a day job like most of us do. Uh -huh. But I'm going to be cutting loose from that here pretty soon. I'm going to have more time and solo missions to go set up cool shots. So I'm going to start getting into doing that a little bit more and kind of taking it in that direction. 
mm-hmm. and put it more on a big scale and maybe travel more with the family where they can come with me. And you know, we got a 36 foot trailer that we use when we go to the races. So oh, that's cool. And do some cool traveling and go to exotic places and incorporate. Hey, I got to work, but guess what? It's, it's at Whistler and we're all going. So, right, right. Yeah. What does, uh, what, where, what are you planning on doing down at Sea Otter? Uh, shooting the races. Mm-hmm. I got a press pass. Um, you know, that a cool event. Have you ever seen Dual Slalom? I've never seen it. I've never been to Sea Otter either. I'm planning on going this year. Maybe we'll bump into Oh, that'd be all, yeah, for sure. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've never, never been there. So I don't even know what to expect at all, other than I've been to a few mountain bike kind of, you know, festivals like i've been to sedona and i went up to Interbike. Oh, that was fun. at north star and uh-huh. so i mean i have an idea like what it's going to be in terms of like tents and vendors but i don't right. know what to expect otherwise and i just yeah. heard that just sea otter is just crazy humongous so you and me both because this will be our first year we tried to go last year we couldn't fit it into the schedule mm-hmm. and so i booked our campsite early i call i got a press pass and i'm hopefully because now on the dual slalom they have a limited number of media passes. And so I, I told the gal, I said, hey, I'd love to be in the dual slalom. And she says, well, she's going to try to get me one. So it'll be, it's going to be like a lottery. So if I get there and I got a dual slalom pass, I'm going to be totally stoked because that's like one of the premier events there. Oh, nice, nice. And it'll be fun to shoot that. So I'm totally excited to go check that out. We're going from, it starts at Wednesday. We're going to get there Wednesday and we're leaving on Sunday. Yeah, I need to put in, I was planning on putting in a, a request to see if I could get a media pass for that too. Because just to get in. Um, yeah. instead of buying a ticket because i i didn't think i could get approved for uh for interbike and and i did so right like, right I, I i don't think i could get approved for sea otter but who knows Maybe I, I I didn't can. Think, yeah well, I, <laughs> you never, it can't hurt to ask right, right? I, the same thing. Yeah. I, I, I emailed the gal and she's like oh yeah no problem and here's you here you get in all all days you know you, on your media pass yeah and then yeah I'm, I'm really hoping for this the dual slalom pass because that'll be really cool yeah, and I saw they had something where you had to like register if you wanted to have a drone too, or something like that. They got yeah, they have special rules. We're talking of drones. I, I know I saw on your website. Are you try, are you using the Mavic Air or the Mavic Spark? <laughs> Dude, I'm so bad with names. I think the Air is the one I have. It's the little <laughs> one that does 4K. Uh, is it the one? Is it did the arms fold? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then that's the that's the Spark. I think no, it's the Air. That's the that's Air. The air. The spark, I think I'm pretty sure is, it's the Air. Yeah, the spark I think the Spark is the one that's super, like solid. Yeah, it's, it's super tiny. Totally it fit in your back pocket. <laughs> yeah, the air is pretty small though, man. It, it it it's been really impressive to me. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to like. When I first got it, it was like, it was like being a little kid and having a remote control car, except right, for this yeah. thing can like like get further than twenty feet away from you. <laughs> you. You know what I mean? It was like, whoa, this is really neat. And I like flew it around my neighborhood, and it's really kind of cool to like see everything up in the air. And then I had to really like it took me a while to realize how I could use that for my content. Right. You know, and then once I started using it for my content, it was kind of opened up a whole other bag of worms. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, worms. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean the, the, the time that it takes, it's not like with a GoPro, you know, I I could have another GoPro in my backpack with on a tripod, or even sometimes I would carry one in like a little, like three inch tripod in my pocket. Right. So if I came through something easy, I'd have the gimbal on my chest already. I'd just take the one out of my pocket, sit it, like frame it, walk back up the trail, come back through, you know, and, and it'd be really simple. But with, with what you think is going to be like, a oh, this is going to just be a second. I'm going to take a quick drone shot. It's like 15 minutes. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, it's like yeah. at least, you know, it's like you take it out and then you set it up and then you fly it up in the air and then you write, you know, it's just like, right. It, it, it's so time consuming and, 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 
you know, I, I realized that once I decided to start using a drone in my footage that I couldn't have people with me that wanted to ride. No, you, you know what I mean? I had to right. have people with me that were like, just totally chill. Like, Hey dude, it doesn't yeah. matter how fucking long this takes because <laughs> it's going to take all day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because, and usually I would just do it whenever I was going by my myself, when I first started yeah. doing the first couple of videos like that. And then I was like, you know, I, I still like riding with people. So it was definitely interesting or it was interesting to like, kind of figure that out, you know? And then, then once again, you're like, like right now I kind of have my drone, everything's on auto with it just cause I'm not right. like, I'm just trying to fly the damn thing, let alone, yeah. you know, like really get the the right, the shot, right. Or like the coloring, right. But, um, that's the thing that I, I kind of want to get into next. And that's where I'm like, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, you gotta make sure you have the right frames on both of them. You're gotta be shooting in the same, you know, color profile ish. And it's right. still going to look different anyway, because that one's, camera's just better than the other one's camera or right. you, you know what i mean so it's like it's it's just like it's definitely adds some complexity <laughs> uh, but it, it adds an awesome another cool i mean that just makes your video production qual and your, your quality it, just so much better like if you have that extra cool shot that overhead shot yeah. or that sideways flyby kind of shot that yeah. just it adds so much to the videos no, it's really fun. It's it's definitely like really fun and it's definitely really appe appealing. The only thing too is like it would be fun to be and I'm sure I could figure out how to do this well, but like to kind of have some of your your audio video synced up well with those shots. So or your audio of your like so uh, say I have the 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 drone flying out uh, right confluence and it's like we're going down this trail and then to have the audio from the gopro that i'm i'm wearing oh but up, like right? yeah yeah but it's hard to do that you know you'd have to be like make some kind of i don't know maybe maybe you, you clap your hands above your head and then yeah. you then you go ride or something like that so you have something visually that you can look at on the drone footage right and you can sync that to the audio that way it makes sense when you can hear the bike like Hey, you hit this jump and you hear the sound of the bike hit the ground. Yeah, that, that it, would be cool. It looks right, you know. Are you are you using Premiere or Premiere? That's Adobe's yeah, product. Yeah, that's right? that is that's the other Adobe product I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing is just intense too. It's I mean, a it's, beast. It's, yeah. it's like it's basically like Final Cut Pro, just a different maker. Yeah, that's another big learning curve is learning out because you can detach your audio and sync up audio, yeah. but all that stuff. I mean, just to, to learn all that takes so much time, but. Once you learn it, you can make your videos look badass. That was one of the things that was tough for me also when I started editing. It was well, a I always say the hardest thing in a YouTube channel is learning how to edit because right. most people don't know how to do video or anything like that. Like GoPro's got it nailed down good enough that you can even if you had everything set to auto, you can just hit record and right. you're, you can get started. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And right. uh, um, it may not look as tight as somebody else's or pretty or whatever but it'll get you by right. but the editing there's like there's no no way to bullshit your way through that you know yeah. like you, you have to do that and some of it is you know yeah pushing the right buttons but then some of it is actually learning to when to make a cut or when not right. to make a cut or you know like that that kind of flow or whatever which i'm sure has a lot to do with like the same thing when you're shooting photos you're like oh yeah i'm shooting some over here but then you gotta maybe move and get some over from this other angle because that right. person might not like you to take the right side of them. They want the left side of them or, you know what I mean? So, yeah. well, so. when I, when I'm out shooting video, 
um, I always try to think about the editing process. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about, okay, I'm going to do this shot. What would be a cool transition? Okay. I'm going to get that shot to transition, or I'm going to get this angle. Cause this will look cool. If I've got, you know, I'm going down this cool downhill section, I'm going to cut, this would be cool if I had a drone shot and this side pan shot and I can cut back and forth. So I'm always yeah. trying to think like two steps ahead, like yeah. well, that will look cool. And then that will look cool. So when I get into the editing room, I have, I know, okay, I got, I already got what I need. And I always try to shoot more than I need because how many times when I first started shooting video to get back and I go, ah, oh, I need that shot. And I got to go reshoot that again. Yeah. Or, and I'm like, oh man, I got to go back out. So I'm always trying to shoot more than I need because then I could just, I don't have to use it or I, and then I'm glad I had it, you know, for yeah. especially if I'm shooting some B-roll stuff, you know, yeah. for a cut scene. Can you explain what B-roll is for people that don't know? Yeah. So B-roll basically is just kind of like your filler. It, it helps you do with transitions. It's like your cinematic role. So like somebody's you show the, the camera pans up and you see like the cool lake that you're getting ready to ride, ride around. The birds are chirping in the background. And then you cut to uh, a shot of a guy snapping his helmet and your gal putting her hydration pack on with there's, it's usually over music or some sort of sound effects. Yeah. It helps kind of like give more depth into the story. It's building your story, but then you, and you don't want too much B roll. Cause then it gets boring. Right. But you don't want in, but, but you want a little bit of B roll to help add some flavor to your story. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, how how are you thinking about doing anything else in video? I mean, it sounds like you're pretty passionate about it. Uh, I that actually was my that was my wheelhouse. Yeah, that, I, photo was kind of like the secondary thing I was doing, and then now it's kind of the opposite. And I'm actually going to start getting back into video. I've already kind of got like a running list of the things I'm going to watch start shooting because I work with a couple companies right now, like Loam Coffee's one and Club Ride Apparel, and. Um, I want to do some more stuff for them, but I've been so the time constraints, you know, you're working 20 hours on the weekend shooting a race, you know, with your, the time you're shooting it and then the editing, which takes just as long as it does to shoot actually probably more. And then you got your full time job. And so I've got, now I'm going to have extra time. And so I have all these cool video ideas I want to do. I just bought the brand new Mavic air too, mm -hmm. um, but with a hassle bad, the one inch sensor on it. Yeah. You can focus with that too, right? Yeah. And I got it mainly because I wanted to start shooting some drone photos. I thought that would be cool to get some cool overhead shots of the racers, like going through cool sections. I just did it um, a couple, two races ago with the TBF and they all turned out really awesome. And so uh, I'm going to start adding that into the mix as well. But it, I mean, and then obviously it's an awesome drone. I'm going to use it for my video footage as well. So yeah. it's awesome in my backpack and that one inch sensor is so good. So it's so, not too big that it, it fits into your camelback, not the bad? No, not the camelback. I got to take the um, the low pro Whistler with me. So Whistler's like, it's actually was made for skiing, mm -hmm. a ski adventure photography backpack, but it works perfect for mountain biking. But it's it's pretty big. Um, I have there's a guy I follow on YouTube who was having the same problem as myself. And he, he calls it, he hates that one because he says it feels like wearing a refrigerator on his back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's a little bit big, but it fits everything. And I can just, I can still put a, a bladder in it. So for riding, I need water. I can still, yeah, have, yeah. it's got a waterproof um, pocket in it where I can put the bladder in it, even though I don't think it was designed for that. It's designed to put like wet gear in there. So, right. but that makes it you feel a little better just in case something happened to the bladder. You're not dumping all over your on, camera, on right? all my camera gear. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. That's why yeah. I use it. But so that, yeah, so it fits in that bag. Now, if I, what I have been kind of doing is just going. You know what? I'm just going to go shoot some drone shots today, and I'll just throw the drone in my backpack. 
um, mm-hmm. on maybe a camera and one lens, then I can fit it in the, in the Osprey or in the Camelback. What am I, I think I'm using the Camelback mule right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I need to buy a new one. I have a mule that's like 10 years old and it's just about done. So. <laughs> that's a, that's a pretty good lifespan on that one. That's yeah. use out of it. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm such a cheap ass when it comes to stuff like that, because it's like on one hand, like, yeah, I totally got my money out of it. And on the other hand, I'm like, I don't want to spend $90 on a bag. That's <laughs> stupid. You know, it's like, it, it, it makes no sense when I think about it. I'm like, dude, $90 and you use it for like 10 years. That's like a pretty screaming deal. Yeah. You know, like, 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 come out to like $9 a year. Right. <laughs> you know, but in my mind, I feel like a bag should be like $30. So I'm like, this is bullshit. They're just taking me to the cleaners for this thing. You know, so. I don't know. I guess it is what it is. So um, I always like to ask people how they came up with the name with their their company. So oh, okay. yeah. it, how how did you come up with Bixel? So um, the other the, so I had my other my other little video thing that I was doing the truth with was and I and I, I I liked coming up with cool logos and something different. So I kind of did and then we did the same thing with Freedom Riders. We used the same company to build our logo. And I, if anybody's thinking of building one, those um, have you heard of Forty Eight Hour Logo? No, I haven't. I have to look it up. But, and uh, there's also Fiverr. They run these logos. Yeah, I know podcasts. what Fiverr is. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. So you so you basically uh, pay a certain amount of money, and you can run a contest, and it goes world. Whoever, all these graphic designers across the globe, like somebody in in uh, Spain did my last one. Uh-huh. Um, and you can put it up for a week or two weeks, and you get all these cool logos, and you get to choose from them. But anyways, oh, so they send them all to you, and then you choose one. Yeah, it's all via um, the website. So you'll get like this last one. I got like 150 different entries. Oh wow! And it was pretty inexpensive. I, I didn't realize it went like that. So like you're you're doing that part for free. I mean, you're just committing to buy one of them or something. Or so you pay. So it's a contest, and so. Um, you can do as low as I think it's like 20 bucks, but then you get nobody's like, gonna do nobody right. want to do it. Yeah. Right. Or you get like, you know, just kids going, Oh, I think I'll put together this cool little logo right. or whatever. And you get stick figures. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so what did you, what did you put up? Like I put up bucks two, or? 200 bucks. So, 200 it cost, bucks. so with all the fees, I think it cost me like 250 bucks, which if you've ever shopped for a logo before, had some like, design company to do it they're like 500 plus dollars yeah yeah totally and but this is cool so because you could come home and it'd, it'd tell you like oh you've had like 10 new entries and you can say yes and no and then it comes down to like the last five entries and then you can have them do tweaks to it it's really fun so if anyone's thinking of doing a logo that's the, uh, my the last three logos we have done have all gone through there and they've turned out so good so when i was trying to come up with a name everything's taken like there's uh lone wolf there's sprocket media there's like anything bike related that you can think of is right. already taken i'm like man what am i going to come up with and so i like i go i like bikes and i like cameras so i took bikes bi and pixels and put bixel together and that's where i came up with bixel right on. is there any significance to the logo as well uh, it's got, it's basically a sprocket on the outside with an aperture in the middle. So if you look closely around the B is the, what the aperture leaves look like in a camera and oh, okay. then you have a sprocket on the outside. Nice. But, nice. That's fun. I always think, you know, most of the time there's a story to people's logos and you don't ever really think about them until like you've either gone through the design process or you've been right. on a team that's that's doing something like that. So it's always fun to hear kind of that, at least for me, I think it's fun. Well, Cause I put a lot of thought into that stuff too, you know, even before starting my channel, like one of the things, you know, was 
just like what you said, like finding something that is available as a, yeah. a .com or a dot whatever, right. you know, and then finding something that you feel like people will be able to remember. And then, yeah. that, you right. know, like just going on and on, you know, there's just so many, many aspects to it. So, so I've, I do a lot of, um, well, on the podcast, I've been a lot, do a lot of research, like on marketing and stuff through Instagram and everything that I like one name companies are like, so here's where I started. I was Aaron Lassure outdoors. So that's right. where I started. That's and I'm like, sentence. that's a whole sentence. I'm like, who the hell is going to remember this? Yeah. And I, you know, and that's what, <laughs> as a web guy, you know, like when I'm driving down the road and I see on the back of somebody's car and it's like, like Charlie builds cabinets at your house.com. <laughs> I'm like, dude, <laughs> somebody shake that fucking person, man. You're like, yeah. you'd be better off giving like a six, six numbered, digits that somebody might be able to remember and right, you know, <laughs> like eight seven five four three you know like dot com. com would work better than charlie builds cabinets at your house dot com you know? <laughs> so yeah i i had i was like what am i doing i'm like nobody first of all no one can spell my last name because french mm -hmm. and i'm like no one's gonna remember that so i'm like i gotta totally rebrand myself and and that's when i just said okay i need to come up with one name company and it's actually not bixel dot media as a website so i took the dot media part because right. I thought that sounded cooler than .com because media kind of explained what the company was. It's really just Pixel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. the name. Of it. So I wanted it simple, something cool to remember, and then um, I, something I could create a cool logo around. So if you're yeah. if people are trying to think of something, just you got to think of like something simple that when people can remember in one name, like what do you got? You got Xerox and Pepsi and Apple and like, I mean, no one forgets those names. So Right, right. Yeah, that's kind of why I went with Biker. And I just spelled it funny. Right. You know? <laughs> so it was like, yeah. Like just like, you know, and I was fortunate that that was open, you know, and so it's been challenging with some of my social media stuff. That's why I always put biker B1 for my Instagram or my Facebook uh -huh. or right. pretty much everything that I've signed up for. So anybody that's going out there to sign up for something now, you can do biker B1 and you'll screw me to the pooch. Screw <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what would be something that you would tell um, a, a new new somebody that's going new, like newly shopping for a camera? Like, what would be like the top three things that they should be really considering? Well, okay, obviously price is going to dictate everything, right? So right. Number one, you got buy something you can afford. Is there a bottom line where you think that people should be considering? Uh, I don't think so because you can you can start with your phone. I mean, you can do a lot of cool stuff on a phone, but I mean, just, just if, if I was going to buy, do a bottom line, buy, buy something. If you want to get serious, buy something that you can change your lenses on. So you can still buy one lens and one camera, but then as you start to upgrade, you can add new lenses to your kit. So you're probably, probably around a grand at that point, or is it, there are some stuff less than a uh, grand. That, I don't know. Camera a 6,000 well. and you buy a lens. I think you can stay under a grand with that kit. On so the Sony, on the Sony line. So you're right around that then. Yeah, yeah. Figure okay. pretty, pretty, figure pretty close to that. Um, okay. And then you can kind of go up from that because the other thing, camera bodies change all the time. Like there'll be a Sony A10 probably coming out in the next six months. They're all they're so fast to coming up with new technology and changing bodies. But the glass, your glass almost always stays the same. So glass is a key word, uh, a synonym for a lens, right? Yeah, so you right. Your lens, yeah. your your glass, and your lens. Sorry. No, that's uh, all right. I'm just letting other people know. Right. So <laughs> if you if you're thinking of upgrading, so I would instead of upgrading my say my from my A6500, I would just keep 
the the better lens your lenses are always going to be your where your your quality comes from for the most part a, a good lens versus a bad you know a lens that's not as sharp and doesn't have as good autofocus or in-body stabilization so so that's the lens that's doing that it's not the camera the camera has in-body stabilization and a no, sensor. No, I mean the autofocus you just the said. The autofocus is in both. Ah. Well, actually, I think that back. The autofocus is in the lens because the lens is what moves to the elements in there. You have some, you have glass elements and multiple glass elements in the lens, and that's and then when they move, they'll move forwards or backwards mm -hmm. depending on the the distance of your fo of whatever wherever you set your focus point. Mm -hmm. So the, the the processor and your little computer brain and the camera is what runs the autofocus. That's the where the power so if comes that from. so there is two parts to it then. So it's like two the parts. Camera, yeah, the camera itself has to have a processor that's processing what's going on fast enough to tell the lens yes. to work well enough, and then the lens has to be good enough at it to actually do that responsively. Right. That's why the A9 has a faster processor in there that autofocus is faster in the A9 versus the 6500. And it might be really small. It could be milliseconds, but that makes a big difference if you're trying to capture someone going at 50 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. Coming totally. at you versus you panning with them, which is easier to, to nail focus on. But um, so if you're so number so one said is price. price. Okay. Yeah, number one's price. And then what are you using the camera for? So price, what's the function of what you're going to be using the camera for? Are you shooting sports? Are you shooting portrait photography? Are you vlogging? Um, and the third one, I'm trying to think of the third one. <clears throat> I would just say kind of ease of use. Mm -hmm. I mean, just find, find something that you're going to be comfortable with to start with and learn the ins and outs of it. Um, so I think... Would you say that like actually going out and picking the thing up is probably like you have to do it? It's kind of like riding a bike where you, you want uh, you it to feel what? good never, in your hand, you know, or something. Up, I didn't even pick up the, I, I just kind of knew from the watching YouTube stuff. I mean, that could help, but I, all the cameras I've bought have been online. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't it, matter much. No, not much. Um, I, you can always return shit like Amazon's got right, a great, right, right, right. great return policy if you hate it. Um, right. But yeah, but I guess I, yeah, because the ease of use is more like, can it fit in my backpack or am I going to put this in my, in my bike somewhere in my, in my hip pack or whatever. And so, mm -hmm. you know, if it's, if it's going to fit into what you're doing, but usually price kind of dictates what you're going to buy. And then you kind of look in that space of, okay, I've got a thousand dollars to spend or I got $800 and which cameras fit in that, in that price range. And what are the, the different, uh, characteristics of each what do they you know what do they come with and are they, how right. fast the autofocus how fast what's the shutter speed can i shoot 4k does it only shoot 1080p does it have a flip out screen and i need a flip out screen because i'm going to be vlogging so mm -hmm. i mean so it just really it just depends on what you want to do but at the same time learn what your camera can do you know go through your manual watch your, your videos and then just practice with it because you can make awesome content on a $300 camera versus mm -hmm. someone who's got a $4,000 camera. It really, you know, it's the artist and the person behind the lens. Right. Right. Huh. I totally have remembered and forgotten the same question like six times, but it just came, <laughs> it just came back to me again. So what are the things that you end up having to buy after the fact that you don't think about whenever oh. you're like, Oh, I bought this camera and I didn't know that I needed extra batteries. Oh, so that's one. It's a bag. It probably would be a big uh, one. Something, yeah, something you want to carry it in. But extra batteries is because these camera batteries. It, it depends. I mean, if you're out there shooting all day on your bike and then your 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 battery dies after an hour and you go, oh, 
crap, I don't have any more batteries. Right. Your, day, your day's done. So, and then think about your memory cards. Because mm -hmm. I mean, a GoPro fell up, up the small card, like a 64 or 32 up pretty fast if you're shooting at 4K. Yeah, yeah. You might, so you might think about how big, you're, um, either maybe extra memory cards or a bigger memory card. Um, what else? How about like filters? Is that a big one? Like ND uh, filters and stuff like well, that? ND if you're shooting. Okay, so the, yeah, the ND filter can be a big one if you're trying to shoot. Uh, okay, so depth of field. Uh, I, I, I'm going to explain depth of field. So depth of field is that when you get, when you've got a subject in the foreground, say it's a talking head, like you're doing a vlog, and then behind you is all blurry. Uh -huh. So in order to get that, you have to open your aperture on your lens wide open or pretty close to it. And so if you're sh out shooting a mountain bike video and it's bright sunlight, well, you can't, your camera can't shoot at that wide open and the frame rate. So you got to be shooting at what? 24 frames a second. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't because you can't shoot that, that high because there's too much light coming in. So you have to put in what's called a neutral density filter on there. So an ND filter, all it is is sunglasses for your camera. Mm -hmm. And you might need this. It's a thing you don't think about. And they make a couple of different variations. They make one that just is one um, one filter with one. They're called stops, F-stops. It's how much a stop is how much light is entered into your camera. So it's basically the sh how much light is coming in. They'll be darker or lighter, depending. You'll have an ND4, or they go by 4, 6, 8. They'll go with 16. Uh, and as the number gets higher, that's the that's the, the more shade that's going to be on that ND filter. So it's going to mm -hmm. let less light in. Now they do make some, which I have. Um, what's so is that how, like in the movies, how they shoot like night scenes in the daytime or something like that? They yes, use like they, that? They're using ND filters to cut the light. So it makes it look dark. Oh, I was no, wondering have, how they did that. They have variable, <laughs> they have variable ND filters. So it's it two, it's basically two lenses and you twist them. And mm -hmm. as you twist them, they can get lighter or darker. And that's what I have um, for my video for my, 6500 in my lenses is i'll use mm -hmm. that variable nd because then you can control the amount of light depending on maybe it's not that bright or it's a little bit cloudy but still too bright and you there's and you need to shoot at that lower aperture because you want that blurry background to, mm -hmm. to make your person in the front stand out mm -hmm. are you so looking at thing. like the display on your camera to decide like how to set that or you're just doing that from experience or uh definitely like on the, the display on the display you're so just, you'll just set the nd filter look at the take a picture or actually you don't even have to take a picture you just look through the display and then you're like oh it's not dark enough or whatever and you just kind of change it it's yeah so if anybody's looked at the back of a camera you'll there's a couple different things on there's one thing called the, the you have a, a light meter so if mm -hmm. you look in the back of the camera there's going to be a zero and it's going to go one two three four to the right and then it's going to go negative one two three four to the left and mm -hmm. you'll see this little triangle or whatever it is on your camera. It's going to, depending on where you point the lens, you're going to see that little indicator move left or right. And that helps you to, to let you know there's too much light coming in or there's not enough light coming in. So you can see that in the back of your camera or through your viewfinder. That's one way. And then if you want to get really techy, there's this thing called the histogram. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's another little thing that looks like a bar graph. But it mm -hmm. looks, looks like a little, a bunch of little uh, waves on it, and those are basically it's a light meter, but it's a little bit more technical and scientific. It it tells you in waveform and wavelengths how much light is coming in each channel: red, green, blue, black, and white. Mm -hmm. So that those those two tools can tell you if you need to put it how big of an ND filter or how much light, how how much of the shade. I'm calling it shade, but that's not the right term. Yeah, I get it. Of the ND filter, you need to to let in to get you at 
what you need to be shooting for your video. Mm-hmm. So you'll see a lot of YouTubers talk about ND filters and a lot of guys will use them because they want to get that foreground and background separation. Yeah. It's really tough, at least for me, like with those type of scenarios, unless you're somewhere, somebody's just talking about Sedona in, in the chat. And it's like that a place like Sedona where you're pretty much out in the open all the time, then I could see you wanting to, or potentially wanting to do something like that. Yeah. But like somewhere like Tahoe, where you're like in and out of the shade consistently, it's just really tough because like what you could have for that sh- sunny spot right. is going to look like shit when you're in the cl- in the dark spots, you know? And you wouldn't be using a filter like that on your, well, they do make them for GoPro, but you wouldn't use it in the scenario you're talking about. It's usually in a situation where the light's going to stay the same right. you're in one spot. If you're going in and out of shadows, and that's that's not going to work because, you're, yeah. like you said, you're going to it's going to go underexposed and overexposed and underexposed and overexposed, and so right. really no way to combat that. That's just part of the gig when we're shooting mountain bike vids. Yeah, yeah. How about polarizing? Anything to say about that? Yeah. So uh, the polarizers, what those do is they make your colors pop, especially like your greens and your blues, and then they'll cut a little bit of the glare off on water. So. Um, I use a polarizer on my Mavic Pro because I want to get like, if I'm mainly I'm shooting something overhead. So I want that scene to look really crisp and I want my greens to look awesome green and my blues to look really blues. And that polarizer just gives you more vibrant colors. It cuts, basically cuts down on the glare and the reflection that the sun gives. You so just slide that on the end of the, the, the drone. Yeah. So um, who, who do I have? Polar Pro is the company I use. Polar Pro makes um, little, they make them for every Mavic product. And you basically, they come in the same sort of things like an ND filter. They come in four, eight, and 16 because mine's a combo. Um, the ones I use for my for my drone is their ND plus polarizer. Oh, that's neat. So uh, I can run slower shutter speeds or frame rates with the ND filter if I'm shooting out in the sun, if I'm trying to get you know an overhead shot at 12 noon or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the polarizer gives you that just that extra pop in your in your in your footage of the scene and that's really interesting man i mean it really is to me it's like so much to learn you know like just to be able to take a cool picture you know or to like do a cool video and there's so many aspects to it i mean it's the the hardware aspect to it there's the the artist the artistic aspect to it right there's there's the photo or video editing aspect to it like the touch-up portion like the setup like it's just it's insane how much there is to learn. You yeah, know? I mean, and most people don't know until you start getting into it, right? You're like, oh, I'm just going to GoPro and I'm going to go make some cool videos. Yeah, that's what and I then... thought a couple thousand dollars ago whenever <laughs> I started my channel, man. I was like, dude, I got a GoPro. All I need is a freaking $250 fucking gimbal and I'm going to be golden. I'm going to be like, the YouTube truck's going to show up with all the money and I'm gonna, that's just going to be fucking awesome. And then, then uh, I, I think, I had a picture on my website whenever I first started the channel, like my first like tripod was uh, for those of you guys listening, I did the quotes, quotes signal. So that means what I'm saying is really important. Um, <laughs> um, it, you know, I know my first tripod was like an empty beer can. I was like, just set the GoPro on top of it, you know, and then real quickly, I realized that I needed a tripod. And then I found out that a cheap tripod's not as good as an expensive oh, tripod. Man, no. It's like, you just go through this whole process. And that, I think that's the thing with cameras that's so like it's scary is because yeah. they're 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 not cheap 
I mean, even a GoPro is a couple, what, 500 bucks? Yeah. I mean, it's not, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's definitely, they set the bar high, you know, for the gear, you know? It's it's definitely not cheap and time consuming. And then what you got to figure, you got to have a good computer that you can edit on and you got to spend some money on an editing software. I mean, oh, I mean, the next thing you know, I mean, you're like, where's all my money going? And it's, right. but it's the cool, the cool thing about it, I guess not cool, but you, once you've bought a bunch of gear, your investment's done, right? So you bought, you got a computer, you got your hard drive, you got a couple cameras, you got a cool mic, you got your editing software, and then you're you're done for a while and you go create a bunch of stuff and then you have to, and so you start adding to your kit and doing other stuff, but you can, and well, you got to have a drone too, because the drones are cool, but. Right. <laughs> There's about a minute. We just spent like six grand in a matter of like 10, 10 seconds of you explaining what we needed there. <laughs> I'm, and I'm still trying to think of what other things that people might need that they don't think about with the cameras, but I really just think it's the, the battery, extra batteries. I mean, if we're talking sport, like, Somebody said bike. something about weather sealing. What does that mean? So, well, you know, you're good, but obviously the GoPros are waterproof. Uh, some of the cameras now, the higher end ones are weather. They call they say weather sealed. And it's, it's basically to cover their asses if something happens in the rain. But mm -hmm. like your high end Canons, Sony's, they are they come weather sealed, so you can actually go out and shoot in the rain in them. Oh, that's cool. I, I'm still a little suspect, and so I I have a I've came up with a way to where I can kind of use an umbrella when I'm out shooting. Uh -huh. uh, I stick it in my in my backpack straps that I'm using, and I've, I found a way that I can fashion right. it in there so I can I don't have to hold it unless it's blowing really hard. Right. But I mean, it's gotten wet a little bit here and there, but it 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 is a little weather resistant. But mm -hmm. some of the cameras that are on the on the lower end will not be weather resistant, and you can't really use those. Uh, in is there weather like, or is, is there like a photographer's insurance or something like that that you can get? I th I've heard that there is, and I just and. I just carry business insurance. You just and for for the, the liability side, and then it's mm -hmm. like for theft of your equipment, or whatever. But there, I just actually went to a camera shop where a guy talked about how he put insurance on his gear for that reason alone. Mm -hmm. But and it's something I didn't even look into before. So and I think there's a time frame. I think if your camera's over a certain age, that they won't they you yeah. can't buy it at that point. Like I think it's too late. There's like a time period. But do you have an opinion on cheap SD cards versus uh, expensive ones? Yeah, I, I try to buy the best quality I can because what's on that SD card is is my livelihood. So if that thing crashes or it it gets corrupted, and I just shot a thousand photos at a race, and I just lost a bunch of money. So that's the one thing I don't really skimp on. At so the I'm end just, of the day, I don't think the cheap ones versus the expensive ones are very widely like. There's not a whole lot of money to be saved there either. So at least in my experience, you know, yeah. I'm, 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 I can completely agree with you. Like definitely spend the money on the good one. And the other thing is that, um, for people that are listening, like there's the cheaper ones won't be able to write data to them as quickly. Right. And, yeah. and if that's the case that could actually end up, you know, kind of making some of your stuff not look good or actually like get corrupted, like what he was saying. And it's slower and when to download and upload on your computer. I mean, I don't know if that if you've yeah. got time, you just uh, put it in there and walk away and go make a sandwich. But uh, that, that yeah, I always try to. I mean, that's I've I've I belong to some photography groups on Facebook, and I've I've heard people talk about, oh man, my this crashed. Where can I go to recover the data? And I'm like, it's a nightmare because yeah, you go out and you do this big shoot, 
and you're depending on that one that one little tiny SD card holding all your money on there, and then all right. either it goes corrupt, and you got to try to get someone to pull it off there. And who, I don't, never had to do it. I don't know what the cost is associated with it. Yeah, but I usually don't skimp on on the SD cards. I'll tell you what, man. In my I, like I said to you before, I do IT and like in my IT life, like any thumb drive that I stuck into a computer or anything like that, I just pull it out. I never did like the little Windows do do hickey like safely eject. But I tell you what, you start dealing with your freaking like hours of work that you did that you drove for a day to get to. Yeah. Um, you're safely eject the shit out of that because you get <laughs> you get one of those things that pops up every every once in a while. It's like could not read the data. You all of a sudden just reevaluated everything that you would have done differently. Right. You know, and I, I in the past I've had, you know, sometimes where like a, a memory card would come up and do that, and it's like, Do you want to repair? And you're like, because if you do repair and it works, you're happy. Right. But I've had it before when you do repair and then it pops up and it's like repaired. And then it shows you that it formatted your drive. Right. And then you're like, oh, fuck. Like <laughs> that was my video of freaking Sedona that I just yeah. drove for 24 hours to get there and back. And yeah. that's, I can't replace that, you know? So with that I being said, tell me, um, have you ever deleted some an SD card by accident or lost some data because you like lost uh, the SD card? Or I've I've accidentally deleted some stuff, but I think I'd saved it or I didn't need to photo. I I know I've done something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't now because I have a backup system, and that's another thing that people don't think about is how you back up your footage. Um, I have a what's my redundancy? I think it's threefold. Uh -huh. I have it on my SD card, then I back it up to a hard drive. That I have back it up to another hard drive that I keep in a safe. Yeah. So uh, if I so now I know I've got the footage in a couple of different places, and if something goes down, I can pull it off the other one. And so when I do a new shoot, I'll finish the shoot, get everything all edited, and go through. And I, I usually scrub about half the photos on, on the a photo shoot because you know half you miss focus or it's not good composition. You, I usually end up with half. And yeah. then I'll take all that, all everything that's done, and then that's how that's how I back all my stuff up. And so, just I've screwed up because I had multiple. Uh, it looks like he's having some internet issues. I've screwed up because I've had multiple SD cards on a several day trip. We'll see how long it takes him to figure out that he got dropped. So basically what I've done is I go somewhere. We'll just use Sedona as a, as a, as, as the point of this story, <clears throat> go somewhere. I know I'm going to be shooting for a couple of days and I have X amount of SD cards. So what happens is I take those SD cards and I got like a little wallet, SD card wallet. And I, put those little SD cards into this wallet as I'm going. And then somewhere along the line, I was drunk or something stupid and I mix up the SD cards. And that's what's happened to me in the past is that one that I think is empty, oh. I've put in there. And then I'm like, oh, there's data on here. Must not be my data. Like it must have, I must have forgot to format it last time. Format it right there on the camera. And then whenever I get home, I'm like, where's that second day or where's that half uh, of that trail? So I've done that. I know I've done that at least once. So I kind of have a method to how I put them back in that little wallet. And I think there was another time where 
where I've probably just like I've lost one or something like that. And you then my heart drops and I go, uh oh, yeah, I start to panic a little bit. Yeah. And so what I usually feeling. do is I take it from from the SD card. I put it onto my computer and then I also copy it to my my NAS storage. So mm -hmm. and then um, then I'll edit everything on my computer and put it back onto the NAS later. But I usually delete the SD card as soon as I put it to my computer, unless I'm, unless it's something that I'm being like really paranoid about. Like, right. like I said, like if I, if I went somewhere far away, like I, like I'm getting ready to go to Texas, I'm gonna ride with a buddy down there. I'll probably wait until I'm done with my edit to format the SD cards if I can. You, you know what I mean? Or right. at least right. I'll wait until I get it from my computer to my NAS. So I at least have two more copies before right. I delete the SD card. Right. So it happens, man. It happens to the best of us. You oh, know, yeah. they're always like, you know, I think those are the best lessons learned or the ones that like take some, like that kind of hit you in the chops real good. Cause you're like, Oh, I will never do that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell that to my boy when he, we make mistakes that cost money. I go, you'll always never make that mistake when it costs you some dough. Right. And yeah, that's, that's the thing that's about kids too, man. And it's like, they don't have that, that expertise because they don't pay for anything. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> once they start paying for stuff, all of a sudden they give a shit, man. <laughs> <clears throat> My son left for the military this year. And uh, all of a sudden he cares about how much freaking toilet paper his, his fucking roommate uses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> little bastard didn't have any problem. Just like, Oh yeah. I used the whole roll of toilet paper to wipe up this uh, water on the floor. That doesn't matter. You know, there's a towel right there, dude, that can get washed, but <laughs> funny how things come into perspective when you pay for them. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, Hey man, I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with me here, here on the biker bar. This has been, been really fun for me. Um, definitely good to learn a lot about the cameras and kind of like have somebody that's have their, their professional expertise talking to, to us about that. Anything you want to say before we get going? No, that was cool. I appreciate me having you on the show. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, if anybody want to hit me up, got questions about cameras, uh, videos or whatever, they can always send me direct messages on, uh, and on Instagram on bixel.media, uh, on Facebook, I'm, uh, Aaron Lassure Bixel. Uh, just hit me up with questions. Uh, so the bixel.media, you have your social media on there as well. Links to get to it. I'll, I'll say, I'm sorry. I cut out there. Say it again. So you have links to get to your social media on bixel.media. Uh, uh, yeah, there, all, uh, you can do there's little links at the bottom of the pages for my Facebook and for my Instagram. Perfect. And then perfect. you can shoot me a message contact page on my website too. Okay, great. And then you do, you do like freelance stuff as well. If Absolutely. somebody has something going on, they can just hit you up and. Yeah. So we cover race events, uh, personal adventures. We'll do adventure stuff too, video and photo, you know, and it's the, I've tried to, I've tried to stay in, I'm trying to stay, keep my niche, the mountain bike world or cycling mm -hmm. world. So. I'm not going to come do your wedding or bar mitzvah, yeah. but um, <laughs> unless unless you're riding bikes, yeah, at it, yeah, so. yeah, it's a possibility. I know there's a guy around here too. He does like adventure weddings, so it's like oh, almost cool. always always like that. So he kind of got himself out of the the normal stuff. He, he's a mountain biker as well. That's kind of how, awesome. how, how I ran into him. Either way, dude, I really really appreciate it, dude. I I I've I learned a lot. I had a great time chatting with you. I want to let everybody at that threw up some super chats there in in the in the in the live stream. I want I really appreciate that. Those of you guys that are listening on your podcast apps, make sure you swing by that biker bar um, podcast page and give 
the biker bar review hopefully a good one if you want to give a bad one you can you can do that on like reddit or something like that um <laughs> if you're if you're watching the channel you guys dig dig the content please hit the subscribe button or the thumbs up button the thumbs up definitely like make youtube's algorithm and and guy behind the curtain push the magic buttons to make the channel get out there more the subscribe button lets you get notified there's a bell there too you can click that gets notified whenever i'm doing doing new stuff or videos are getting uploaded so that that's key the subscribe button makes me happy and i like being happy so just keep doing that um i really appreciate everybody out there that that's tuned in for the for this two hours whether it's been on the, the live stream or on the podcast whether it's today live or five years from now like thank you for listening if it wasn't for you guys this stuff wouldn't be happening remember one thing before i sign off it only takes a bike to be a biker so get out and be one bitches <laughs> <laughs>